Hello, Maddie Hickson. Hello, Kyle Dunbar. Hello. How you doing, brother? I'm good. How are you? Okay. You know, I'm awake. I'm alive. I can't complain. It's really the only thing I'm good at, though. So, you know, yeah, guess I'm turning complaining. It into, turning it into making a living. Complaining? Yes, I am. <laughs> I'm trying to, actually. We'll see what happens with making a living part. Yeah. Uh, so far, it's like pretty... It. They like it, but we haven't started to try and inundate them with commercials. So that might be coming. We'll see. Oh, Anything, you know, I got to sell my soul here in a while. Yeah. Do you That's have to like read copy for something like that for a podcast? I've heard a couple guys doing that. I don't know what happens, actually. I I, uh, I expect, I mean, I've got actually somebody's calling about um, a possible sponsorship today. I don't know what to charge. I don't know how to put it in to read copy or what what so what they send you they send you some shit that they want you to read and you just monkey it up or what yeah same thing uh you used to do with dave so you have like a script to read off of just a little plug or something like that and uh remember how dave hated to do the commercials oh my god yeah <laughs> that taco bell one was the worst for him i think <laughs> weren't we were we on top of the uh the the skyscraper that that day or something or no that was no, corona I, that was the corona one yeah uh the taco bell one we went in some spray painted graffiti alley in new york okay yep <coughs> taco bell wants to remind you to live moss dude yeah <laughs> he was sitting there well standing there above us on that little platform stair thing stoop yeah and uh he was getting ready to start the day with uh andrea there and of course he had his cue cards up behind us and we didn't see what was going on and uh he just looked around and looked back at Andrea and he's like, do they know what I'm about to say? Like at all <laughs> <laughs> what, about us? No, about the uh, Taco Bell plug. Cause then he's like, today your canvases like to live moss. <laughs> I don't get how somebody lives moss, but whatever. Well, you a- know, what, did you, re- did you do the little promo thing though? Didn't we all have to, sell your soul for a second and live moss explain yeah, how you live I, moss wasn't that it or something maybe they did that when we sign our contracts before the challenges or something i live moss with tattoos how do you live moss <laughs> oh well moss, find your beach do you think that dave navarro eats taco bell i doubt it i, I think uh myself. we had like a, a running gag that we thought he was a, some kind of a mortal creature it doesn't age and the only way he can do that is by feasting on the blood of innocent virgins am i wrong maybe he's always looking for him (laughs) i I bet he just drinks wash cups after every challenge you think that's it that's what gets him healthy the dna and the blood out of the wash cups yeah i don't know i have my doubts on that part i think he's into the clean living yeah yeah that's why I don't think he likes selling alcohol or nasty food byproducts. Yeah. What an irony, huh? Yeah, well, you think about it, that's probably every celebrity that has to do all that kind of stuff. They don't generally Wait. partake of like... Are you telling me Shaq burgers? doesn't have the general insurance? <laughs> probably not. <laughs> Maybe whoever drives, him around, whoever drives him around might have the general. Right. He better have the general for all them tigers he owns. Dude, I had the general for a while too. Like pretty cheap insurance, man. 
Was it? Yeah, it was pretty good. Is it like PLPD? Pretty, pretty good. Like you never used it and it was cheap. Yeah, pretty good. Never used <laughs> it. It was pretty cheap. So. Okay. Moving on. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk more about Dave. I liked Dave a lot, man. Like, uh, I feel like at least the second time I was on his, um, critiques were always a little more favorable for almost everybody. And, uh, it was kind of refreshing because you get those two people just beating on you. Right. And then, uh, you'll have Dave who's like, I thought it looked pretty cool. And you're like, Oh, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody on my side. Yeah. And he's always especially a like, judge. Yeah. And he, he's always been pretty chill. I think, um, whenever you have casual conversations in the 2.5 seconds we had that wasn't yeah. actually filming something. Do people <laughs> often think that, um, you were just hanging out with the judges on off time and sitting around with, with all of them chewing the fat talking yeah, I'm about pretty girls. sure it's like their assumption is that we all live in the same like this this nice place where everybody hangs out and gets along and it's like big brother or something you know right where uh, you get all the all the accoutrement and the amenities but uh right. no it was pretty awful <laughs> <laughs> you didn't like the living arrangements so the only thing i liked about uh staying on set was their shower with all those faucets everywhere like you get blasted yeah. from every direction basically that was like a car wash or something huh yeah and you needed it because about 17 people took a shower in that this morning <laughs> god knows what's in there so it's a funky should, floor you might want to bring your shower shoes yeah they should have had like a delousing thing right in front of the shower in season three they kept talking about um shower babies jellyfish shower jellyfish or something like that yeah i'd imagine you'd accumulate some sort of nastiness in there when you got you know upward of a dozen guys yeah. away away from home <laughs> i walk, i went in there one day you know the side <coughs> well, first we should probably explain it there are two showers there in inside for these 14 people um and guys girls kind of both you just kind of got to fight for it so in the morning though you'd probably rather not stink before a 16 hour day of shooting so you yeah. go and shower up one of the showers works and the other one is kind of cool <laughs> but let's talk <laughs> about the one that works right did they ever fix that you you went on after i did so i don't remember too much um taking like of the routine stuff on the second time i went back being any different than it was in the first okay well, um, the, the the one both of these showers have like a rainforest top where it just rains on you, just nice, soft rain. You're like almost not enough to take a shower in, but you could just use that. And then it has a shower head as well with plenty enough to take a shower in. And now added with the rain effect, you're like, this is pretty fucking awesome. But wait, we're not done. Now at waist level, right, there are four of these nozzles that you can articulate all kinds of 360 degrees and uh and and point at yourself too so you could just walk in there and 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 you know have one up and one down and just kind of spin around and be done like the jetsons come back up yeah. ready to go walk your dog on the treadmill <laughs> yeah. yeah it reminds me of uh i used to work at a restaurant and i was working in the kitchen washing dishes for a little while and we had mm -hmm. this industrial strength dishwasher to just blast like a huge bunch of them at the same time with That's the nozzle the one you yeah. controlled <laughs> yeah. that was for washing them yeah you got you do that process and then you stuff it into this industrial fucking 
cube that drops down and it just blasts it from all sides. Right. You know, I forgot that because there was also a handheld in there, wasn't it? Yeah, and it's like a, it's like an upside down microphone or something. Right, and it seems like you could have the shower head and the handheld on at the same time, at the same time as the rainforest and all the other. Like it could. Oh just yeah, be- dude. I- I wasn't paying the water bill, so I, I ran everything they had in there <laughs> yeah. from the first day. Uh, <laughs> a, a, a couple of times I'd get in there on the, on the season three, especially. And so somebody must really like that shower because <laughs> all the little things were like pointed right at, you know, right at that level. <laughs> yeah, I've thought about this a little in depth. Maybe more yeah. so than I needed to. But yeah, uh, you know how like we used to have the myth of alligators in the sewers? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so imagine that like all of that genetic oh. materials like <laughs> down into the drains yes. underneath New Jersey, just creating all these like inbred kinds of <laughs> uh, ink master spawn underneath <laughs> the city. <clears throat> and then uh, they grow up and, they, and come to the show and they become canvases. <laughs> I just feel a calling. I feel like I'm drawn here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that'd be a... Uh, well, let's write it. Yeah, that'd be good. It'd be a good story. How was how was Ink Master for you? Uh, you know, I cried. I laughed. I had you a kissed good 10 time. bucks goodbye. Yeah. You had a good time. Meet some yeah. friends. Yeah, I made a lot of good friends um, throughout the process. Um it was a good environment. I feel like it was at times it could be like going to uh, summer camp for tattoo artists or something, yeah. but I have no frame of reference and I never really went to summer camp, but similar, you know, sleeping situations and all yeah, of that. I don't know that. Oh no, I did. I, I didn't go to a summer camp, but um, the smart kids in the school, I used to be smart uh, and the smart kids in the school, uh, at, we were in a poor school. So they're like, Hey, if you're smart enough, you can go to this place where all the rich kids, they just get to go to, <laughs> but you can go and you can learn about stupid stuff. And we did that is outdoors. So what we learned, like, uh, you know, how to make candles. I don't know. That's, <laughs> it. that's like a common outdoor activity and survivalist. Yeah. I think they're showing us old times. We did have a survival bit where they taught us how to make snares for rabbits along uh, paths for, uh, you know, and do you still remember how to do that? Vaguely. More from watching Naked and Afraid than from that show. Oh, yeah. Like, now it's like I can see them doing it on there. Like, oh, that's what the guy meant. Okay. <laughs> I thought he was just supposed to take my shoelaces and start walking around and fucking making a loop somewhere and just right. hope. You sit back and you hope. So, yeah, I've been, um, I watched that show. I've been getting into a lot more reality television lately because my fiance, she really likes watching those shows. But uh, okay, for me, what's, it was difficult. what's your favorite right now? Well, we watch a lot of uh, RuPaul's Drag Race right now. <laughs> it's a full drama. It, that would be awesome. I've never watched it, but I can imagine. It's a fantastic show. It's yeah, awesome. I, I, <clears throat> yeah, I can only imagine. Like now, that I think about it as passionate as uh drag queens are and then as catty as drag queens can be and then put them all into a, a room with a bunch of mtv producers that know how to pull out the best you know from those people bam oh yeah yeah they're uh definitely producers have a knack for finding the drama in any group of people i think 
<clears throat> but no, uh, yeah, I, it was hard to watch. I think reality television for a while after we got off set because it kind of spoils it for you. Just yeah. knowing knowing those side moments are taken, like how that whole thing goes, where you get a whole day to go and talk about shit that happened three weeks ago and get chastised into making it sound like it's happening right now. Right. No, no. Say, say it like it's now. Yeah. Like, but it's not it, now. It it's two weeks ago. Present tense. Present tense, please. <laughs> um, hard ice. Do you recall it? Yeah, I do. They, they had that for uh, season four. They did not have it so much when I went back on seven. Do you know that they, I was told from somebody recently, I think sausage. So I had sausage on here a couple of days. Your nemesis. No, I had sausage on and he said that on, I think he was on 12 and he was like, dude, it was, these kids were just crazy with it. Like got their phones all the fucking time. Nobody gave a fuck. Uh, they didn't have them on ice. There was like, they didn't even know what ice was. You know, yeah. It was, it was like, um, a bygone era, you know, like when I was a kid, we had hard ice. Yeah. <laughs> you fucking ice. whoopersnappers. And they said they were all excited about getting critiques. Like they were like, oh, I get to go talk back to the judges. This is going to be fun. Oh, my God. No. That, yeah. I mean, I feel like a lot of people on four were like that, too. They just had more, you know, gumption when it was time to go do critiques and stuff. And uh, did the critiques. yeah, the first. The first season, the season that I went on, um, I was terrified almost constantly. Like, I mean, it's a lot of pressure for sure. And uh, just knowing like how bad people get beat up in those things and that like millions of people are going to watch. It's like first time like you're having that amount of exposure, uh, put a huge spotlight right on the thing you love the most and talk about how you don't do it as good as you thought. (laughs) Talk, uh, Talk to me about this. The first few days there, you had a hellacious zit. Oh, God, yeah. Do you remember that? Thing? I thought you had like a wart there or something. Yeah, everybody thought it was like a mole or a, something that was permanent. No, it started in the hotel the night before we uh, went out to do that. Perfect timing. Huh? Yeah. And uh, well, I was like obsessively digging at it because <laughs> I was like so terrified of going on TV. Right. And then um, you just over obsessed on it. Dude, yeah, I was pulling out tweezers and trying to like fucking pick it off of my face. It was getting bad. I have a scar from it. There's oh my like God. a tiny scar there from it now. I remember telling you, you know, like, uh, man, if that's a zip, maybe you should pop it. And you were like, no, no. But you <laughs> must have already been at it, huh? Oh, yeah, dude. It was <laughs> it was some sort of like psycho fucking thing going on in the hotel. Because well, they locked us up there for like two days by ourselves yeah. without anybody to talk to. Took your phone, took your wallet it's basically like kidnapping it felt uh, like it yeah and then they tell you you can't eat no you can't eat now okay do you want to put an order in you can get some cold food in two hours yeah you could order something i think for like twenty dollars from the hotel what's twenty dollars at a hotel you get a bottle of water for seven bucks you know what sausage mentioned the same thing i don't know i i know that I didn't give a fuck like that. They had expenses well beyond that. They would tell you you could only spend 20 bucks, but you could spend what you wanted to. We, uh, saw, we, we got removed. Oh, it was. It, yeah. You were there, right? You were on with, with on season four. Right. And that's when yeah. sausage was there too. Wasn't it? Yes. Yeah, yeah. So, um, we all remember we all went to the hotel when the yeah. carbon monoxide poisoning 
popped up. Yeah, double tree. It was like a, a vacation. Sausage <laughs> said he, he didn't get anything eaten because he was like 20 bucks. Man, I can't get anything with this. Got like some cottage cheese and some fruit. And I yeah. ordered two two steaks, one for that night and one for the morning. I think I just ordered uh two doubles of Jameson because I wanted that more than I wanted food. <laughs> yeah. you, we weren't going to be back there in the morning to catch like whatever crappy breakfast you could finagle out of the kitchen. Now that I remember you were also dealing with a, a tooth problem at the time, weren't you? Yeah. So I had a pretty bad uh, cavity in one of my molars at the time and it was driving me nuts. <clears throat> yeah, your your choice, we talked about that too. Your choice of dealing with that was two bottles of Jameson a day, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was like also for nerves. And uh, okay, you know, I had like acquired a pretty heavy habit by that point of just drinking. And I, you know, everybody has anxiety, anxiety is heightened when you're in that kind of situation. So it helped a lot. Why I think so like, yeah, it was, it was one thing I could do. Uh, to kind of curtail that and um it helped a lot i think it, it hurts your body you know but it helped a lot with my nerves trying to get through interview days and shit like that um you didn't want to do any blood doping or any lance armstrong type stuff huh? nah, I'm, I'm not gonna mess with that and no you know PEDs. i don't like taking uh pain pills or anything either it just makes my stomach upset and you know i i feel off with it doesn't really help with the pain it just zoots you out so you don't think about you it got, you got an ulcer <clears throat> do i no i have yeah. <laughs> i have acid reflux really bad nowadays but okay. that's uh, probably from you know myself medicating with jameson i was yeah <laughs> <laughs> just wonder if yeah. those two might go together ulcers would go together with that too though yeah so i don't know if i've ever had an ulcer um i definitely have uh, stomach pains from time to time but that's from taking you know medicine like omeprazole to counter my acid yeah. reflux problem actually i i was in italy with uh emily and jay once and this was when it first started the acid reflux really bad and all you can eat out there's fucking tomatoes like there's tomatoes and everything <laughs> yeah. so it was really bad on my stomach and i was having drinks of course because you know we're out yeah. someplace like i've never been and it's a real fun time and um i remembered that you were out a uh, show one time and you said if you ever have like really bad acid reflux that you know i heard taking a shot of vinegar helps okay fix it out and i was like yeah i'll try that i'm like hammer how'd it work this restaurant it was terrible it was terrible <laughs> they gave i was a, wrong a, by uh, the way i've, yeah, I've learned better a shot of fucking red wine vinegar and uh -huh. i took it and I immediately started like running for a trash can to go throw up because it was coming right back, like right. speed of light coming back. And, I'm sorry, uh, dude. There was people like we were at a meet and greet, so I had a bunch of fucking people trying to take a picture of me throwing up at the trash can. Thank God for uh, Emily because sweetheart, she she is. yeah, she got in front of everybody. She's like, no, I don't take a picture. Come on, don't be a jerk. You know? Right? Is she start holding your hair as you're vomiting in the trash can? <laughs> yeah, holding my red mohawk back. Yeah, how is the mohawk doing? I don't have it. Um, uh, I I never had red hair before we did the show. They made me do that uh, because they thought in their little minds and vacuum world that uh, people would confuse me with Halo for some reason. Right, right. The mohawk <clears throat> guy. Oh yeah, the guy who's like a half foot taller than me has zebra stripes tattooed on the side of his head. Well, and a giant it, blonde full mohawk. 
yeah, in their defense, have you not been confused with other Ink Masters since then just by random? Me? No, I haven't. No? Dude, people will, will tell me that uh, I'm Scott occasionally. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> it's happened strong. more than once. And I'm just like, yeah, guy. yeah, I won that shit. Fuck all them assholes. <laughs> They'll start talking to me. Yeah, remember that guy got in a fight? But yeah, pussy. <laughs> <laughs> I made him do that. Yeah, I told him. You should nah, go I fight him. Guy. I miss Scott a lot, actually. You guys hit it off great at the show, right? Yeah, it was uh, it was pretty much from day one that uh, I had a good, you know, thing with him because uh, he helped me out. Dude, like I was really stressed out. I was right next to him on first day, you know, in that flash challenge thing where we had a tattoo of the convention people or whatever. Yeah. So I was freaking out because, like, seriously, I did three tattoos. He did like five or something like that, and Halo did like seven or nine. I can't remember yeah. how many. He did. And uh, I couldn't see anybody else, like, what they had going on. But everybody's working, just pumping people out. And I'm, like, freaking out that I only did three tattoos. So we're standing, waiting for uh, Ollie and uh, Chris and uh, Dave to come by. And they're doing everybody individually, which is painstakingly long, like yeah. a half an hour a piece or something for 16 people <clears throat> while you're standing there like a fucking idiot. Yeah, which is eight yeah. hours easy right there. Yeah. So now you just, still got to go back home and and film some at home shit. Yeah. And I didn't even know what was going to happen next because it was my first day and first time on. So right. I was freaking out and I was like, Oh God, dude, they're going to send me home. And he's like, nah, man, just take it day by day. He was really cool, man. He helped me out a lot. Um, in that day. And then that's uh, awesome. Cause, uh, that is not the impression that others had of him as far as being helpful. Me, yeah, myself it, included. It's really weird because he did, he did get along with some people pretty well. It's just like off camera and then on camera he had spats. And I think like, I, I didn't really realize he was making all that shit up, like getting people going to like do it for the show. I just thought that might've been like how he dealt with people giving him shit for winning all the time until uh, <laughs> one time he was like having a huge fucking argument with sausage. And then right after they closed cameras, he's like, Oh man, that was awesome. And they high fived. And I was like, Oh shit. <laughs> It's all fake. <laughs> well, I don't know that sausage high fived as much as he is. He obligatorily, uh, you know, I mean, don't leave me hanging, bro. Am I wrong? Sausage, I believe he talked about that. Man, I don't know if he talked about it on the show with me. I'm going to have to ask him again. But I thought that he was taken aback by that moment. I thought there was a time that he was like, yeah, he's we're going at it. And then after right after the cameras leave, he's like, high five. And I'm like, what the fuck? Really? Yeah, entirely possible because like I had no idea that's why he was doing it until then either. Um, right. And the whole thing between him and Sausage really didn't happen anywhere else besides interview room. Like that whole narrative was just Scott doing that in the interview room and building that story up. And that's probably producer pushed mostly because the guy was like, uh, when we finished and we were getting ready to go to finale or go home and, and start our finale pieces and stuff. He came by when uh, I think it was the day I was about to leave and he came to the room like all jacked up. He's like, dude, they've been giving me monster energy drinks for like two days straight. All I was doing was interviews for the last fucking 24 hours. And uh, he was all jacked up. And I was like, man, that's crazy. He must have been. I mean, they must have done it all during that one period of time. Just come up with some sort of narrative and had him push it, you know. Right. Makes it was a good narrative. It certainly uh, fed the show. 
Yeah. I mean, I thought it was funny as shit watching it, but like I was coming from a point where I knew I had already gotten to the finale. So I wasn't really stressing over like, Oh shit, here's the day I get kicked off or anything. And, um, I thought it was pretty funny. So yeah, the second time I went on, um, Scott was still with us, you know, when, when I was filming and I would text him all the time and, and stuff when we got our phones and tell him, you know, like what was going on today and how's this funny and shit. And like most of the stuff that I would do on season seven was like supposed to be an inside joke between me and him when we were watching it later with like our families <laughs> and stuff. Okay. Like what? <clears throat> oh, just picking on sausage basically. Like, <laughs> We don't hate each other. We get along really well. Um, do you still have the tattoo? Oh, of course I do. Good man. Did you change yeah. it at all? No, I feel like if I covered it up or like got it taken off or something, I would kind of be like welching on a bet. And that's just right. not something that like I you didn't want to add like sucks at the end of it or anything. Well, it's fucking backwards in the first place. So, I mean, I don't really have to put anything on. <laughs> <laughs> okay. dude. So we're getting ready for that. And uh, like you have to prepare for that ahead of time. You tattooed on the finale before, right? Mm-hmm. That's how you got put back on. So we had the little tattoos to do afterwards, and they, you know, made it so like each one of us had one in case the other one won. Right. And um, we have to send our stencils off to go get made by uh, one of the, you know, tech producer guys. And uh, they ran our stencils, and mine came back, and I was like, "This is backwards, bro. You got to flip it and put it back." So this was right. before we started tattooing for six hours. And uh, so Sausage didn't do that. And the guy ran both of our stencils backwards. And he and, didn't uh, check the other one, too, to see if he ran Sausage's backwards. Uh-uh. And wow. Sausage didn't check his stencil either. So <laughs> we get down to it. And, and you got 15 minutes to, like, to get the new setup and run over and do the tattoo real quick. And right. start. And, no uh, time to do anything. Yeah, we're all, we're all the letters backwards too. Then, yeah, everything's mirrored. <clears throat> so I was like, "Oh God, dude!" And he's like, "It's backwards." Let me get James. Let me get James to flip it real quick. And they're like, "We don't have time." And I was like, "Fuck it, dude, just put it on there." And he's like, "You want it on backwards?" And I was like, "I don't want the thing at all." So <laughs> you can put it on the way you made the stencil, and we'll just do it. Man. And uh, right. so yeah, it's backwards. And like halfway through the tattoo, he's like, "Oh, I'll just tell everybody." that it's like so you can read it in the mirror <laughs> and i was like okay man, whatever you gotta do <laughs> that's hilarious uh i thought yeah we talked oh he wasn't sure if you had changed it or kept it or anything either yeah no i don't think we brought it up in conversation we talk every once in a while like every time i see something new going on with them i'll shoot him a message and be like oh hey man that's awesome glad to hear it hope you're doing good or around the holidays sometimes well, well darn it no animosity stored between the two of you <clears throat> no man uh, uh, what we did was <laughs> i like, shouldn't say darn it we had a, a story narrative not really like contrived by producers or anything but when i saw them on there for season seven i was like oh that's you know what they're going for you know they want to have the two people that were button heads continue to do so and, and try right. and get some of that out of there so i ran with it I ran a little further with it than usual because um, season seven was insane. Like when I got there, the first people that had gotten back on were St. Mark and, you know, uh, clean. And they're both like the type of people that play it up for cameras constantly. They came in where they just like, that's what you were supposed to do. 
Right. So the whole house thought that's how everything was supposed to go. And I'm like jumping into this house full of people that are yelling at me on reality constantly and just giving everybody shit. And I was like, oh, fuck, I don't know if I can handle this. Man. So this is I kind of just jumped in and joined up with them and started doing the same thing. And uh, when, you know, when, when you go to the production booth or whatever, when you're doing interview, they're like, that's cool. How about you give it to them? Um, this way and you're like yeah it was a it was a terrible day this guy was awful you're like, all right now how about if it was like a good day and you're like oh it was such a great day <laughs> and it was awesome. and they're like, okay so how about if it's just like middle of the road and you're like ah nothing really happened you know I, I didn't really like the one that i got but you know i did the best i could with it and it's like that's oh my the God. natural response you know i I, just, I i i saw that i, yeah, I didn't see a lot of these seasons but occasionally I would catch little bits and I saw your interview at one point during that season. And I said, Maddie looks like he's giving back the, he's regurgitating the producer's words. Oh, for sure. Um, like it's too soundbitey to be right. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. You started off with like whatever opinion you have and whatever you want to like, however you want to act it out or something. And then they'll like kind of tweak it and push it back and forth until it comes out the way they want it. <clears throat> and that's just how it went in the interview room that season. It just went everything. It made everything go a lot quicker. And well, I didn't really I follow it like, like the production day. So how long were your days then? Not long, man. Like I would breeze through interviews easy because I did that. <clears throat> I just give them, you know, three different ways. They want to hear something. And um, uh, after that, I could go back upstairs and just hang out. And the production, the actual filming days were only like um, eight or nine hours because they have like refined their formula for what we're going to do and when we're going to do it. Really? Yeah. That, and I know that that, half, you know, so there was only ever nine people in the house, not 16. Okay. What was the premise of that season? What the hell was it? Oh, yeah. Veterans like returning and uh, versus the newbies or something like that. Okay. So they would bring back an old an old fart ink master and you'd have to like compete against all the new people they brought in, which were like they had a couple of powerhouse artists that they had uh new there. So who name name a couple. Who'd you so who Aunt, were you impressed Aunt Mike, by? Ant Mike's is awesome, dude. That guy uh is a very impressive artist. He can just basically pick up a style in no time, it seemed. I'm sure he puts mm-hmm. a lot of hard work into it, but he has a really good yeah, you know, he put a lot of work into and uh, he can chameleon his way around these challenges pretty well. <clears throat> and uh, Christian, obviously, he's a really good black and gray artist. Um, yeah. Just incredible stuff I was seeing coming from those guys. And uh, Megan Jean was on there when I got there, too. OK, she's, yeah. She's like, you know, Hurtado level style, you know, mm-hmm. she she was like super popular before she even came on there. So pretty pretty uh intimidating group of people plus you had all the people that came back that were like bosses too jimmy like saint mark and clean oh litwalk was there yeah i heard he kind of blew up on set well yeah they were like not so easy on him i think he he wound up in the bottom like maybe four times in a row or something and he just kind of lost it and started going off about how production's just in it to to piss him off and you know get him all riled up and he's yeah. in the bottom for no reason you know that sound familiar <laughs> well um 
a, a somewhat. Jimmy had an ability to, I don't even know if it's imagined, right? But to me, it seemed as though he was imagining persecutions against himself that weren't necessarily there. Like, I can't wait to talk to him about uh, blue cheese on his prime rib. Because he's like, he, he was eating no cheese. I don't know if he's allergic or something. But this prime rib came and it had blue cheese on it. Oh, my God. And, and I didn't get to eat that day. I was down. I did. I missed the order. Right. And so I get up and I'm like, they're like, yeah, you missed the order, but you can eat whatever's in the kitchen and we'll try and get you something nice, you know, later on. Oh, I'm like, oh yeah, that sucks. And then Jimmy came up in his prime rib, had the blue cheese on it. And he was so sure the production was fucking with him. He's like, who the fuck? Nobody puts blue cheese on prime rib. And the whole time I'm just like, man, I would love to try blue cheese on tri- prime rib. <laughs> I would. I would. That sounds terrible to me. Like ruin a prime rib. Oh, it was delicious. Maybe some, maybe some horsey <laughs> sauce or something like that would be good. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, to me, it's kind of got that sharp acidic taste that with the fats of the prime rib, it made sense. And he well, was saying he's never heard of it. So he imagined that it was, you know, production. <laughs> that it just, they just had blue cheese. And they're like, hey, fucking where's Litwok's prime rib? <laughs> or they asked to put it on. I don't know. I believe there was another prime rib that was ordered. It also had blue cheese or something, or maybe it didn't. I'll have to ask him. I remember that he was he was so pissed about it. And I was so happy because he was so mad. <laughs> he, I was like, because you could flake it off. You know, I mean, you could turn it up. You could cut the top layer off even. And you still got a prime rib. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but he was that like, fuck that. I'm not yeah. eating that. I'm like, are you sure? Dude, that that flavor stains everything it touches, though. Like, it gets well, that's, that must have been what he imagined too, because I got to, I, he, I I just had at it, man. It was delicious. I forever now I'm like, hey, you guys, prime rib. Uh, you guys, can you put some blue cheese on that? <laughs> Tell him Jimmy sent you. <laughs> Tell him Jimmy sent you. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Um, that food shit. Like, people did start to think that production was messing with them over food. This one anecdote about it was that uh, when we were ordering booze and stuff, and um, Bubba kept asking for rumplement, <laughs> and uh, every time he would write it on the little uh, grocery list thing on the fridge, Scott would go erase it. Just Bubba, <laughs> just rumplement, and I don't know why he did it, but he got a huge fucking kick out of it. So for like uh, a whole week, he didn't get anything. You know? What the fuck? Rumplement isn't that a schnapps? Yeah, it's like minty. the most nasty of the schnapps. Yeah, it's like mouthwash. <laughs> I I used it for mouthwash before. Right? <laughs> yeah, you would. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. He he did that to him for some reason. But remember how um, Roland was like pescatarian, and the only fish you can get in jersey apparently is salmon so he ate salmon for i don't know a uh, month how long he was I've there i've seen like a lot weeks. of tuna out there on the boardwalk i don't know what you're talking about yeah it's the same fish basically <laughs> <laughs> okay yeah yeah but he couldn't eat nothing except for that and uh he started to think you know people were after him wouldn't get him anything special right like, but they yeah, did have that going to be here for that long so why would they bother right but th- but that's what i mean like they did do that didn't I remember uh, on both seasons I was on when it got down to eight people, um, Andrea came in and she kind of was like, oh, my God, I can't believe they haven't been getting you guys your alcohol or your specialized food products or your hair care products or getting you hair cuts or whatever. She was like, oh, my God, that's completely been overlooked. We're going to fix that. 
so you guys can do it. And I, it kind of like, I mean, maybe she was being honest, but I felt like she knew the whole time and it was just now down to a budget that she can handle, you know, just yeah. like you said, like Roland, you're not going to be around that long. So, well, yeah, we had, we had that drought with booze for a while and they stopped buying groceries for everybody. I don't know why the hell they did. Maybe it was because that, that girl that um, you got uh, shit canned or whatever put down in the, in the budget department was mad oh. or something yeah like, i do think that had a part to do with it dude I did you that... know I, I was hanging out with bubba i was at a guest spot at his shop uh-huh. and this was like while uh they were uh, playing the season on tv and i got a text message at like three in the morning from her saying i know what you did and bad things happen to people who do things like that and i was what? like what are you talking about I was like, you're nuts. And she's like, she actually, nuts. you're nuts. The people <laughs> who think the people who think the people texting them are nuts. And I was like, oh, God, what's happening, man? So I, I had to text uh, Shay and let her uh-huh. know that I was getting like threats, basically, from this lady. Right. And I was like, I don't know what she's talking about, why she's mad at me. But she was talking about like fucking doing something at the finale. Like, I'll see you at the finale and you're going to pay. And oh, I was my like, God. Oh, yeah, dude, what's wrong with this lady? Dude, that girl was out of control. Yeah, she was real mean, dude. She From was, the very start. Yeah, she was really mean. The only person she liked was Scott. And I remember you saying um, she got in trouble, you know, for the Ambien thing. But before yeah. that, uh, she the reason, like, the one thing she got in trouble for was taking shots with Scott. Yes. That's they what were sitting they, there drinking vodka. I was the one that got her kicked off for the Ambien. Um and they came to me to ask me about what I knew about her drinking with Scott and what my, he asked me first, what's your opinion? I said, my opinion is I think she was told she was a princess the whole time she was growing up. She married some fancy dancy fucking restaurant tour who's too fat to give her good dick. And now she's just hating life every fucking second of the moment. and can't wait to take it out on us. He's like, well, besides personal life shit. I was like, no, nah, that's what I think. You ask me what I think. He's yeah, like, what do you, do you know about her drinking with non-personal stuff? Like, oh, <laughs> yeah. well, I, I guess she's like, a, like business-wise, she's, she's a cop there too. Yeah. Then, then he asked me what happened. He, he's like, well, do you, what do you know about her doing shots uh, with with anybody? I was like, I don't know about that, but she took an Ambien from me. And he was yeah. like, what? And I didn't think I was like, yeah. And I did kind of do it that moment for that purpose. I offered it to Sausage, and she was like, I'll take one. I was, yeah. I was like, I didn't want to give her one. Fuck you, bitch. You know, <laughs> uh, as a matter of fact, I came back with some propanol first, which is um, <laughs> um, something that slows your heart rate down so that you oh. don't so that you don't get as uh, anxiety. Which and then you're something... like, maybe I shouldn't risk murdering this lady. Mm, nah, I wasn't worried about that so much. <laughs> no, Kyle likes murder, everybody. Yeah. No, then I thought that I was like, you know what, Ambien is, and it's a prescription. So like she's taking this and it does kind of put her in my pocket. And then when when he asked me about it, I was like, Yeah, she took that Ambien. He's like, What? I was like, Yeah, that's probably pretty fucked up, ain't it? And then you could see that that changed a lot. And then yeah. she disappeared, but she became our line production. And our alcohol also disappeared. Although yeah. I heard it was because Scott was trying to cuddle with the girls. He kept saying well, he's getting drunk and saying, I just like to cuddle. So I think he went in and was talking to Lydia. Um, 
and he was having a rough time, you know, how he was when he was drinking and everything. Mm. Uh, and I, I think that's what she had like, like told uh, Jay or somebody. And uh, I don't know what he, like what the conversation was or anything, but it sounds about right. And uh, <laughs> yeah, so he was having, you know, drinks like throughout. He was trying to keep up with me. We were. Um, that is not an easy task. No, it's basically James Vaughn level stuff by that point. And uh, he, so he was like drinking throughout, you know, filming and stuff, which was bad, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think he ruined like two days worth of footage just by looking you know pretty messed up and swaying around and stuff like it, was, it would have been obvious and he right. ruined a bunch of shots so we had to like take a day reset and then he had to go back and film uh refilm three days worth of uh interview room stuff because it was so atrocious it was just like <laughs> guys obviously hammered and you right. know scott scott would get he would drink you know about the same amount as me and he would just be obliterated and I, I was like, okay, enough. Like I would talk and you couldn't really tell. No, the only time like, I could tell you were drunk was when you <laughs> walked over Ruck's bed on the way to the bathroom. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, that was, uh, that was deliberate, right? <laughs> was it? Do you recall that at all? Or just, yeah, I did, have told to, you, you know, spark some drama in the, in the house and you know, make the show better. <laughs> right. No, it totally needed it. Man, like that was the first night I think that we all stayed there. And uh, I was, I don't think I ate anything the whole day and I drank a lot. So you do this as a choice it. a bit. So you went to the hotel and you were like, no, nah, I only got 20 bucks, two shots, please. Yeah. Two doubles. Food, you know, <laughs> a, a human can survive for like three months without food <laughs> and water. Right. So going to need some alcohol. Yeah. So I, I don't remember doing that at all, but I do remember waking up and hearing about it. And I'm like, Ruck was never mad at me or anything. That was super awesome. And, uh, you know, the only people that really, like, got a kick out of it was uh, Jim and Jay talking about it. Like, I think it was only Jim that was there. And then Jay's like, ah, yeah, I was there. I saw the whole thing. Oh, I saw it. I was there. I remember, you know, I I remember seeing the after effect because we heard um, – I heard shuffling first. You bumped into a bed first, I guess. I was told that Dude, later. And I, I, I pulled my eye shades up to see you stepping over top of Ruck's bed. <laughs> and uh, or, no, I seen you coming down off the other end because I got him up when I heard Ruck be like, "What's up? What's up?" He said something like that, <laughs> right? And, I mean, I think he was getting ready to fight you or something because he thought he was being attacked in his sleep. And then no, you walked about down. On. <laughs> he was, and then you stood at the corner, and you were looking at the closet. And we were like, "Bathroom's to the right," and you're like, "Ah, this is just somebody got you." He's like, "No bathroom." <laughs> I don't know where I was, but I wasn't there. No, you're doing some transcendental meditation, left your body. I I yogied right out of myself. Sometimes that happens, man. Yeah, no, I don't remember doing it. I do remember hearing about it. Um, Yeah, that's embarrassing, isn't it? But uh, no, I was having a good time with you guys. (laughs) I didn't know it was so embarrassing. I thought it was it was part of what makes up life, you know, like I'm glad it was you and not me. I'd, I'd hate to have to be as drunk a feeling in the morning as you had or hung over as you had to be. Yeah, I didn't really have too much of a problem being hungover because I, you know, I have been drinking for a while at that point. It was pretty much habit. And, you know, I don't I didn't remember at the time what it actually felt like to wake up refreshed and rejuvenated from an actual nice night of sleep. 
How has that been going now? Are you still drinking the same amounts? No, no, not at all. Um, I actually don't really drink that much when I'm not, you know, compared to what I was drinking it on the show, which isn't hard to do, but um, <laughs> yeah. to not drink yeah, that no. as much as that would be easy to do. You'd yeah. still be drunk. You could still be a functioning alcoholic, not drinking that much. Yeah. But I mean, like, I wasn't like, I think at that point I would have had a lot of trouble if I was to stop drinking all of a sudden, yeah. like I would just, I would have had maybe five, six days of just feeling really awful. Shakes and DTs. Well, I don't think I would have been shaky or anything. I just would have felt really off. Like the hangovers of the year would have finally kicked in. Um, (laughs) You had a day that you were kind of off and you weren't feeling it when you did the bird in the cage thing. Was that around any of the? Yeah, but I wouldn't wouldn't blame that on um, just being hung over or anything. I think it was uh, what my my, uh, canvas was at. My client was asking for and uh, what I was able to do in the time, like I'm not a very, you know, profound lettering tattooer, you know, like I used to right. do that stuff constantly when I first started out, but we had a letter book that people would just pick from and do that stuff. So right. to do it without being able to use anything, I was like, ah, oh, this is awful. And I think it just threw me off. And um, what she wanted, I just really couldn't uh, manifest it in my head. Like I just couldn't come up with an idea in the half hour they gave us right so yeah the work suffered for that and i feel like you know every once in a while well throughout the whole thing i I could have done i feel like i should have done better like if i had any regrets over it i I wish i could have done a little bit better on my tattoos when i was there but it was uh it's difficult to do so it wasn't a natural like environment where you had everything and you know where everything's at and right and you know feel the freedom to use you know reference images and stuff to like get you going <clears throat> there was what did a lot you of think of scott's uh reference uh what did he, would we call it a kerfuffle i don't even know what it would be but <laughs> i guess you could call it a kerfuffle but scott using google just, basic it was just you know um my opinion on it is a little bit like uh, skewed by some of the stuff that I heard when talking um, to Halo and Jay about that situation and them separately talking about it because I didn't know, you know, what Halo had said in interview that they played mm-hmm. on the episode. Uh, but I did hear them talking about it together. And um, first of all, I don't care if somebody used reference from anything. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. I, I looked at most of the stuff that, um, you know scott had done and there was changes to it and you know i'm pretty sure halo did the same thing i'm pretty sure uh, jay did the same thing i think we so, all do the same thing in our everyday life and that well, is tattooing so it is kind of hard to avoid aside from my desire to be mad at scott it is a little bit hard to be mad at scott for doing something that is the natural thing that you do when tattooing you know i mean yeah, and it's pretty what we do. Think, really, like, uh, if anything you could say about it, it's that, like, uh, you were a little bit lazy in the development process. But they yeah. don't realize you get two and a half hours, and, you know, an hour of that is talking to the person. So an hour and a half to draw a six hour tattoo that's supposed to win a contest is not very much time. So, yeah, you pull up a reference and um, use it as a jumping off point. Everybody does that. 
at some point, you know, and I'm pretty sure that's how I learned how to tattoo. We did flash stuff off the wall and made changes to make it personal for the person. And Uh, what happens in a consultation currently when a client comes to you and they show you their ideas and they're almost 100 percent of the time pictures of tattoos already done even from google yeah, yeah. so like you have to work point, backwards. Like, sometimes I, I i'm people, like mm-hmm. at, at this point i get people that bring in references of tattoos that i've done like <laughs> I, i've got a six page dossier on uh different poseidon sleeves that i've done and i'm like um i don't really know how to do this like and make it different different yeah. from these pieces without making it look like I tried to do these pieces but didn't do it good. <laughs> right. You almost have to. There, there is a point when you're beating a dead horse. Like, I have no more imagination left for this composition. Yeah. You know, this is the same thing. But some, I mean, that's what some people, if they're bringing pictures of other people's tattoos, they obviously don't care as much that it is 100% unique or nothing. Yeah. And I can already hear the argument, you know, that like when we're on set, you know, those people aren't bringing us reference images. That's what we're supposed to look up and, you know, compile and do what we will. with. Uh, And we were allowed to use references as long as they were off of Getty or something because they were non-copyright. So the actual problem with can Scott draw or not was really like not a big issue. It was like, can he find stuff that I can't find? And does that make him better than me? And it was like this whole. Well, it seemed to. It did open up a lot of. I mean, if you were really limiting yourself to Google, I don't know that I used too much reference for almost anything I did throughout that that season. I I guess I think I I I did on the hockey skates. I know you had some reference for the eyeball surgery thing that you were doing. Okay. Yep. Definitely. Yep. Yeah. But uh, I think that. can you find good reference on Getty or can you find better reference on Google and how much are they really going to, you know, how, how much difference is it you're taking that. a photo of a surgery and well, reconstructing it into a tattoo? Like that's, have still you, have you noticed? Of- I'm sorry, but yeah, <clears throat> well, it is absolutely a level of the same. And I don't know if I got it from Getty. I don't know if I could have found Getty doesn't have like so much. And so I don't know if I could have found it. Um, yeah getty image of an actual surgery however i was pretty sure that their actual surgery wasn't copywritten yeah so, pretty sure. but at the same time um as far as copyrights go episode six i believe it is is missing yeah yeah um i was there that day <laughs> <laughs> well why why do you figure it's missing I've, well, I've heard no explanations, a lot of a lot of conjecture. I have my own theories, but I'm really not sure. The real issue with it is that um, Scott used a reference, obviously, from uh, something that was actually copywritten. copywritten, copywritten That's what I of, uh, I think it was Paramount, actually, uh, to, to add <laughs> more irony to it. <laughs> and, yeah. Um, yeah, it was uh, like... Uh, uh, what is it, a DVD cover or not DVD cover, but a, a movie cover of uh, Linda Blair. And he used it. He didn't deviate very far from it enough to like constitute, you know, that we can right. you know, win Use this in court or whatever. And we had a big meeting about it after that, that uh, Scott used something from 
a movie and and the rights are owned by paramount and right. you can't show it without like first acquiring but, the rights from paramount which is not easy to do after not gonna movie. happen very yeah, certainly. easy to do uh, uh before the fact but not very easy to do afterwards and um yeah the, the person that noticed it was rob zombie he actually knew it because it's an old horror movie that he's really into right and uh the actress is like a famous actress yeah duh <laughs> so yeah that's probably not gonna make it did, on, and what did Netflix. he say of it what did he say hey that's copyrighted he said uh, do you know where do you know what the reference is that you used for this and he was like um i just tried to find something that i thought you would like and you know i'm doing tattoos for you guys to, like, judge, you <laughs> and know? he was like yeah i like it a lot so much that i'd rather you not rip the artist off well i don't think he even cared i think he was okay. just like oh i noticed this is um linda blair because what what uh, dog does rob zombie have in that race honestly right. um he was just like, oh, that's Linda Blair. I recognize it. You know, I love that movie. It's great. I think you did a great job uh, interpreting the cover. And uh, then it was, you know, Andrea's point to take over and be like, yeah, this right. is an issue. And you guys can't be doing stuff like this. And I think that's what spurred the whole, like, let's go look up everything Scott's done this fucking Okay. Show. Right. So well, James it was, went it was on obviously from Google then, because you can't get that from, from Getty. Yeah. But I think our understanding was that, like, you could use a Google image as long as you uh, didn't just straight rip it, you know, and you you just used yeah. it for like a pose I, or something. I don't. Know. I think they told us at times you could use a Google reference if you were prepared to deal with the consequences, and they didn't know what those could be. I feel like I was told that at some point. Yeah, they had a lot of tricky wording around it. Obviously, they're yeah. people, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah, like the tricky wording of. Uh, what was it about the judge's opinion? The highly oh, yeah. subjective judge's opinion was always yeah, in the in the rules we would sign. And right after it was also a clause saying that production has the very last say on judgments too. Oh, really? Yeah. So if like, you know, it was always up to the entity of uh, whatever that corporation is that they use for the show. Original media. Yeah, original media has final say in blah blah blah. That's interesting. Yeah, so Did they you, have um, in every contract. I think Andrea likes like sped up when she talked about it every time. To go, <clears throat> yeah, and just kind of stuck on the first part that I remembered, like she mm -hmm. was doing. Like uh, these are not the droids you're looking for. These are not the clauses you're looking for. Mister Producer, mind tricks. <clears throat> she was good. She uh, very talented with producer mind tricks in my opinion yeah i do feel however that you could put almost anybody in that job and they would do just as good a job with all that support and everything that they get <clears throat> you think so yeah i i really do i mean if she had our she set up connections she has all those uh people that she hires to take care of yeah. stuff which is important but once well, i think that rolling, you could just say, okay, okay Andrea, go home and have somebody come in and just. Well, that brings me to my next question then, because I don't <laughs> know that you're wrong, but they're making Ink Masters right now in Canada, if I'm not mistaken, in Toronto. And uh, I don't know if Andrea is a part of this, if original media is a part of it, or if it's just been licensed uh, as original media's um, copywritten thought, um, you know. Is it Paramount? Is Paramount doing it? I don't know. 
I think I they know. are. I'm pretty sure because Paramount's the one pushing the narrative that it's coming back. Um, okay. That but I have sense. not seen anything from Andrea or the normal casting people over right. like this stuff. Like you don't see Jamie or you don't see um, Andrea posting things about so excited to be working again. Nothing like that. Okay. Yeah. So I, I'm assuming it's a completely different thing. And I'm assuming it's going to flop. My my curiosity is there too. I'm curious as to how they'll do it. And remember the man show with Jimmy Kimmel and Adam Carolla? Yeah. I love you remember that. the man show <laughs> with Joe Rogan and Doug Stanhope? No, I don't. Oh, right on. <laughs> because when the man show left, Jimmy Kimmel and Adam Carolla had a lot of um, thought. Uh, what do they call that? Art, the artists thought what do they call that, you know, intellectual property, intellectual property. And it was their, their different skits and stuff. So when Joe Rogan, a funny comedian and Doug Stanhope, a uh, very underrated, hilarious comedian um, got together, they should have been able to produce okay. something, but they were limited because they couldn't do the old routines. And yeah. so when people get on there and, and this show has now got a little bit less budget now, and it's, it's struggling to find out who it is. So it's going to take a while to be good. Anyways, a couple of bad episodes. And they're just like, you know what? Fuck this. Thing. Yeah, I, I feel like that's probably what's going to happen, man. Like if they have, <laughs> they're going to have different hosts, obviously, unless blackface yeah. goes over really well in Canada, which I don't think it does. <laughs> no. Uh, well, their prime minister is in trouble for doing blackface as an, right as a as an indian didn't didn't he um uh didn't he dress up as an indian or, oh wait no he did that in a trip to india he dressed like super indian but prior i oh. believe they had found blackface photos of him from uh from his youth so maybe well the country is not always following the same example as their leader honestly <laughs> I mean, like we've had a couple of doozies too and uh, i don't think that like i relate to anybody that's been in office for the last like <laughs> I don't know how old am I? 39 years. So yeah, you're not Reagan yeah. wasn't your guy? No. Oh, you weren't Ra- you weren't even I, during their Reagan years. It would have been Bush. I was, your I was first. Uh, Bush, I think. Yeah. That I remember. Or maybe that you was don't like the Bush, years. huh? I've heard that about you. <laughs> nobody, nobody in America <laughs> likes the Bush anymore. Nobody likes the Bush. Um <laughs> yeah, so I imagine the exact same as you because of that I, I think that they're gonna have to try and find their new voice and it's gonna be it, it's a good chance that it's not gonna be the voice that people are expecting and yeah. and then that people are just be like what the hell is this yeah it's just it's gonna be a different animal like i don't think that you can have the same show without the same at least two out of three of the same hosts like it would be a little easier for people i think to transition into a show with uh, Chris and Dave and someone else. Mm-hmm. But moving on. Um, <laughs> it's funny <laughs> that we are talking this. I, I knew I actually, I was like, I'm looking really forward to having Maddie because Maddie is one of the funniest motherfuckers I know. <laughs> However, he is also one of the most intellectual motherfuckers we know. And I don't know how this is going to go. <laughs> you know, we might just be cutting up jokes the whole time. Yeah, especially when you have a good platform to do so. So, I mean, uh, kudos to you for taking the initiative and getting words out there that people, you know, could benefit from hearing. Oh, and thanks. I appreciate the high praise. 
<laughs> well, um, speaking of, you had, a, I, I don't know that it wasn't the day that really did it and the timing, but do you remember having us laughing for, I swear to God, it was almost two hours straight over just impersonating <laughs> Tommy Montoya critiquing our farts? Yeah, I do. Um, that was a great time. <laughs> <laughs> it was the yeah, best time. There was so much tension. There was so much tension on set all the time. And like, I felt it for everybody who. Yeah, there's so much tension. You could have cut it like a fart. You could have cut it like a pizza cheese, man. It would have been great. <laughs> Tommy Montoya is great, dude. That guy's uh, just a gold mine for uh, impressioning. But uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude, we, I mean, we had such a tough day. Every, I don't think we had a winner that day. I think everybody got a really bad critique. Mm-hmm. And um, everybody was in, you know, the doldrums. I think that's where production would have liked to keep everybody just depressed and broken so that they started confronting everybody. But uh, right. behind the scenes, you got to cut it up, man. Like if we're there doing it, we might as well try and have some fun. And uh, I really enjoyed, you know, the camaraderie that uh, we had on season four. And I think coming back on season seven, that was definitely like at least split in half. Oh, yeah, because, um, yeah, you know, you got a bunch of people that had already been there before and established their little um, worlds around. Stomping ground. Okay. Yeah. And then you had They're the new clipped. people who were going through the same thing that I went through when I went on for force. So I related to those guys more than I did to the returning veterans because they were all from different seasons with different mindsets, different types of production. Yeah. Did that and, have uh, a carryover <laughs> in alliances or anything that were going on in the house? Yeah, for sure. I mean, everybody who came in, I think from prior seasons had this like preconceived notion that you know they're better because they've done it before and you know they oh they want the veterans to stick together and they want the new people not to and i was like man i I would rather just like play this game with people that i get along with people that i respect artistically and if uh you're not gonna you know be that person then these people are and i made really good friends um from season seven man and mostly with new timers or or, uh yeah, People definitely that, with the timers. I didn't really get along with anybody, you know, I didn't already have a prior relationship with like um James. I knew him before he went on season one. Yeah. So Vaughn, him James coming Vaughn. back on yeah, him coming back on was really cool, but it was really difficult too because I was already involved in the game with these other people. So it was tough to uh navigate that sort of did you come on dynamic. as a coach? Was that the no season? no we all Okay. We all came on as contestants. Okay. And they pitted you against the new batch of contestants. But well, unfortunately, you you remembered being, or I don't know, unfortunately, but you remembered being a contestant, and so your heart kind of goes out to him. Yeah. I mean, Did it you was shoot, really- look for the guy with the biggest zit in his face and be like, dude, let me help you out? Oh, we, we were all going after Queen at that point because he was like Scott winning every single thing. And uh, he, I don't think he really had like a, a, a plan or like a strategy in playing the game or anything like that. So <clears throat> you can't work with a guy like that. And without a strategy. Yeah. Well, yeah. You just can't work with somebody that doesn't think any of that stuff like actually plays into the game or the contest. Okay. Well, did, so, he didn't win that season though, either. Did he? No, he didn't. Um, I think, you know, he did really well throughout the season and uh, Clean has a lot of uh, problems near the end when he's like trying to come up with a piece and having his self-confidence enough to do what he does, which is really good tattoos. 
Right. Um, so it was, the pressure just got to him most of the time. And uh, yeah, the big piece you blow it on and the little he, one you do really well with. He explained it to me that uh, his finale pieces were never, um, they were always controlled by the other contestants or like an other group. They were like, you have to do realism or something like that. Yeah, and he did a pretty killer realistic piece. He just put a very new school background twist to it, which uh, kind of screwed him. And and those are that's where the rules can screw you because honestly, like if the judges wanted clean to win, they could have let him win. It was a pretty decent uh, attempt at having a um, photorealistic back piece, you know. Uh, But they didn't hand it to him; they gave it to uh, Clay Dunn. Was it Clay Dunn? Who I'm sure regrets that ever happening. Why do you figure that? Because the majority of uh, public really thinks he didn't deserve to win on that one. Okay. So he told that's, me that's himself that itself, it man. hasn't been good. And that he, uh, that I, if I remember correctly, he said the first time he was on, it actually hurt his, because uh, he was doing large scale body work. And then it hurt his, his following inside of like tattooing. It helped his following outside of it but those people just want to get little jason clay done pieces they don't want to get full body suits so yeah. he's like dude it changed the whole way i tattoo now or not purposefully he's like it sucks um and then i don't know if he did it seems like he did tell me he got a lot of hate over uh the win too yeah he did i'm sure and um that's the crazy thing about the finale is that you're not really the tattoo you did anymore. You're uh, who you beat or who you didn't beat. Right. So nobody really pays too much attention to those finale pieces. They just like go off of, Oh, this is the winner. Okay. So you know what? I really like that guy. You're a dick. You shouldn't have won. (laughs) Nunez. I was pointed that out to us. I don't know if he did you too. When he was, when um, he kept saying four did better than one, two and three. Uh, he, well, and he that, was by that he was saying tattoo baby is done better than the winners because you know she's more followed or she, you know it helped her career He's yeah well i mean it's all what you make of it i think after you win um i'm pretty sure that the pressure and stuff of winning is what started to get to scott to the point where you know he got where he was and now he's not with us anymore you know yeah those, do you uh, think those, you think that pressure uh, made him feel like he had to perform at a level that he wasn't comfortable with or something at all times? No, I, I feel like he was most comfortable when he was tattooing. Uh, the problem was he was having a real hard time dealing with criticism from everybody and not just mm-hmm. about the actual artwork, but about who he was. And, and uh, as you a know, human, you pick a really like a really easy to like person to attack basically so he was getting you know hate over that the whole thing with him and sausage which i've gotten a little bit too well right seven um he could not handle the thought of like just all the bad things that people say to you seems true sometimes when you have a certain uh mentality you know so what he did was he would you know collapse into drinking sometimes uh, a lot of the time he was doing pretty good when he was not drinking he was very good he was having a great life with his wife and his kids and when he would drink he would not be able to stop 
And, you know, people look at the coroner's report from him dying and assume that he was a heroin addict, assume that he was taking all kinds of drugs all the time when that's not really at all true. He, he was an alcoholic. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't think he was an alcoholic because he could stop and he wouldn't like, you know, get sick or die from stopping. He wasn't like physically addicted to it. He just had a propensity to drowning his pain with it you know so i don't know like what category of addict that falls into but i know he wasn't doing heroin and i'm pretty sure that you know for, through my experience of getting pretty drunk sometimes you're not really that uh, in control opposed, you're not really that opposed to saying no to people you're around when you're drunk like that especially right. when you're collapsing in in depression you know in the spiraling depression so, so you don't think he was really doing heroin before he passed from I, it, it know, wasn't overdose, was, right? Okay. It was uh, it was a lethal uh, combination of chemicals, basically. So the drinking led to him, you know, saying okay to somebody who had some stuff that he doesn't do right. to try, probably just to try and go to sleep and get out of it, you know, just to like wake up the next day and and deal with it. Um because that's pretty much all you can do when you're just ridiculously drunk. You know? And um, I feel like that's probably the most likely scenario that played out. He was, he was drunk and feeling really terrible. And somebody who had some terrible shit was there and gave it to him. And then he died. And then um, they took his fucking cell phone, dude. Like we never found his cell phone. Oh, really? Yeah. And uh, he, he took the last thing he did was text uh Joanna that he was going to stay at the uh, hotel right. that night because he had a couple of drinks, some hard root beers he had at work, you know, is that and what he said? Hard root beers. Yeah. And I'm, I'm sure that's what it was. And it like that little kick can put you into, I'm drinking the rest of my fucking paycheck away, you know? And uh, he'd go to the hotel and was probably hanging out with a couple of people. And one of them was, you know, the person that gave him the stuff and, right. and didn't want, any evidence of that that might have been pictured on the phone yeah that's where i'm leaning on it because i know for a fact he, he wasn't a heroin user he wasn't any kind of drug user other than uh the benzodiazepine oh, that he had in his system was for anxiety and depression which he was prescribed and taking for um his depression and anxiety did that counteract against the other drugs that he had then is that yeah did that that's what makes that's what makes a lethal cocktail you take alcohol okay. diazepine and a little bit of heroin not even enough to kill somebody and then next thing you know your fucking heart stops man. there are three depressants then must be right benzodiazepines must be a depressant too yeah it is it's benzo same thing um that killed fucking elvis okay all that stuff but i yeah i know for a fact he wasn't using heroin and I, I, i'm suspicious why they didn't ever find his cell phone even though he was in bed in the hotel i typically figure that someone's always there if someone dies of a of a overdose and no other drugs are found unless it was a suicide because like usually you don't overdose and and not have some drugs left over you know what i mean you're not you don't usually do one perfect overdose amount uh -uh. so usually there's some drugs left over and the person's like oh shit that motherfucker's dead well let's get the drugs and get out of here oh shit there's a cell phone did he take any pictures of us better just take it yeah i mean i'm sure that's what happened and uh joanna worked really hard to try and find that worked with the cops to try and like you know 
tie up all these loose ends but once they find out it's an overdose they close the books on it they don't give a shit okay <laughs> so right yeah, obviously i'm really still you know harboring some upset feelings over how chicago too wasn't it that area or was it yeah it was, was it chicago, chicago city it was roselle where he uh lived at he, he went straight to a hotel from work roselle not not rosemount but roselle no roselle yeah that's okay. where his, um the shop that he was working at was Right on. Well, oh, I've yeah, been growing ahead. to like the guy more in hindsight. Uh, actually, from talking with Sausage, he actually explained a lot to me that that um, mitigated Scott's annoyingness. Yeah, I, I mean, it's, yeah, he created you know that kind of persona, and um, it was really easy for people to take that on face value. Obviously, because he never, he wasn't in a state to open up to anybody outside of the show when we saw him at the conventions and stuff he wasn't like oh hey by the way i'm totally not an asshole you just right. have to know well that's where i seen him at his worst uh was at conventions and it seems like it was maybe people's opinion that was growing up because he was he was uh, literally at the show and crying in his own hands like in public yeah, i mean in his booth broken that's, down that's uh, that's the depression and uh combination with the drinking that fucking kills your heart you know it it it, it destroys you those you two think things together oftentimes we find i could be wrong in this case for sure but I've, in history we find that those things kind of go hand in hand with great ability as an artist as well though yeah it does you don't i don't think that you can push yourself um to a level of you know creativity and um like it, just, it takes a lot of sacrifice to get to a point where like somebody like Scott is or was. Yeah. And, um, and that sacrifice comes only, not only, but oftentimes you only have the desire to overcome that sacrifice. If you have some trauma that you're running away from or yeah. trying to fix. Yeah. And trust me, dude was pretty traumatized. I mean, do you ever hear about like his history and, and why he was uh, even put Never. in jail? No. So uh-huh. he was, he was drunk somewhere at a party, I think, at his house. And um, what I what he what I remember, he told me, I'm probably butchering this, and I hope that uh, anybody who knows like more about it could tell me. But uh, yeah, grain was, of salt, then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was he was at a party drinking with a bunch of people, and somebody was like really ripping on his fucking mom, and he got in a fight with that guy, and the guy was a pretty tough dude, and he wound up breaking a beer mug. And Scott hit him with the broken glass of the beer mug. And he was cut up like all over the place too. Cause this guy was like tearing into him pretty good, but he right. cut, he cut the guy's face up really bad with this broken beer mug handle. And uh, uh, disfigured him. Yeah. No fucking clue about how or why it happened the next day, but he was showed pictures of the guy that he hurt. And um, he was just beside himself, you know, guilty about it. And, you know, you don't you don't get away with doing something like that without some sort of cost. And he went to jail for that. And I think that really was a huge factor in why he was just struggling, you know, struggling really hard. Most artists, if you if you delving to their past, there's going to be some trauma. Yeah. And some, just, some some ridiculous outbursts, too. <laughs> like you get you get upset like you're you're at your wits end i don't know what you're talking about i've never once (laughs) well i so i have a grief counselor because of what i've been through lately Mm -hmm. 
And uh, they tell they told me that, you know, you have a cup. Everybody is, has a cup of how much stuff you can, you know, carry on your shoulders. It's, it gets filled up. And um, if, you, if it's full and you keep getting more and more stuff poured into it, it just overflows and there's no control. You just spiral out. And if you don't deal with the things that are going into that cup, if you don't take a sip every once in a while, that cup's just going to keep filling up. So you got to take time away from your everyday life and deal with your problems and talk about them and figure out like why you feel the way you feel about things. Cause if you don't, you're going to have problems man. like you're just really never going to resolve those issues. Grief counseling was something that you found that you, you, uh, Somebody's. No, grief, grief counseling is because uh, my fiance and I um, were uh, going to have a baby. We did have a baby um, last year and she was born premature about 23 weeks. We were in the hospital oh, for like, two weeks before that um, with her like bulging about to come out and everything. And uh, we went through treatments and stuff to try and keep her in for as long as we could because of viability for a uh, child to be born and, and uh, put into the NICU with like okay. equipment. And um, we got right to that deadline and she was oh, born nice. and she was born May 5th. Um, <clears throat> sorry. It's all right, uh, brother. Yeah. So she was 23 weeks, which is pretty much a micro preemie. Well, it's mm-hmm. the very beginnings of being a micro preemie. And um, she had a lot of issues because of, being born yeah and um they're they're not really equipped to live outside of the womb at that time so they have issues with their um their lungs also fighting infections they don't have any sort of immune system so she had a lot of a lot of issues about two weeks into the NICU stay that we had and she was fighting like the whole time that kid was the feistiest little baby i've ever seen awesome and uh yeah, she was doing really, really well for like two weeks. And then she um, had somehow come in contact with a bacteria and uh, her immune system wasn't strong enough to fight it off. And her heart was too little and her lungs were not developed enough. So she succumbed sure. about 30 days. Well, it was it 25 days that we were there? And uh, yeah, so dealing with the loss of Cora was why we have a grief counselor now that we meet with. And he helps a lot, you know, not just with that, but with other issues. You and your girl are still together then. Yeah. We're actually getting married. We're getting married on May 7th, like two days after our daughter's birthday. Well, it can be the reason I even say that, you know, is tattoo artists, not that we have any meaning to, but we almost become counselors or grief counselors ourselves sometimes. And I often notice when a young one. Good advice. (laughs) What's that? And we We don't don't take (laughs) good advice. (laughs) Yeah. Well, uh, I find that when somebody's been in this a situation similar, it can be very tough to keep a relationship together because there's so much pain just in seeing each other every day. And sometimes there's uh, unresolved guilt, blame, all these kinds of things. So imagine a grief counselor has been extremely helpful for your relationship. Yeah. Um, even just taking the effort to um, acknowledge that it's an issue and that you need to talk to somebody and it's good for you is that's, that's the, the sentiment that really hits people in the heart, whoever you're with, just as long as they think that they know that you're, you are um, willing to work on, you know, making them happy and you happy at the same time. That's really important. 
in a relationship. That's some, not something that I was ever really like able to do in other relationships. You have to have somebody who's pretty open mm-hmm. you know, working on themselves. I think uh, a lot of the times when people get together, one, one person or both people just don't have any interest in changing or working on themselves. Yeah. That causes a lot of fights. It causes a lot of confrontation and resentment and stuff. And I think that you need to, um, you know, be a certain type of person to get through that. <clears throat> or get help from other people that can help you see that then. Yeah. Well, that's, that's part of it. You know, finding part somebody to work with and somebody, a third party that can be um, non-biased when you're having conversations. Not that like with our grief counselor, we don't really have confrontational talks or anything. We just get to dedicate some time to talking about our daughter and talking about us and really putting the effort in to making sure that we know we care about each other and that um, we're doing things to make sure that we support each other. Fucking awesome. Uh, This is, you uh, weren't with anybody when you were filming Ink Masters. Is that, that's correct, right? I was, uh, um, I was, I was single, but I was in a bad place anyways. Pretty much both times I went on. All right. We've seen a few people go um, on the season three. One of the coolest producers uh, or PAs. I think he was just a PA. Kyle Turboss, right? <laughs> no, no. Well, he was awesome. Um, yeah, but he was on season four. On season three, one of the guys got fired. Who he used to be in a Snickers commercial. That's what I remember about him. And he showed me one of the greatest videos ever. Uh, Bad Motherfucker by Biting Elbows, directed by Ilya, or something like that. The guy who also did Hardcore Henry. Okay, I love that. Yeah, that was great. There's a there's a a, um, a video called by the group Biting Elbows that he also directed prior to Hardcore Henry. And you see it's it's exactly that. Uh, 100% that style. You can see him forming that idea of a movie you know uh first person shooter kind of style yeah it was super cool man like uh attached gopro or something one yeah. single shot sequence revolutionary and you've and- seen the the video <laughs> the music video as well or are you talking about hardcore henry hardcore henry i don't know mm-hmm. if uh, i've seen the music video. watch watch it because it's only a few m- moments and it's good so it's the one good the band biting elbows from my experience, every song they have sucks except for this one. <laughs> like, right. Yeah, I really wanted to like, yes. And uh, I wanted to like them. And then I was just like, uh, well, no, wait, they had every morning too, right? There's a halo tied to, fuck it. Who cares about Sugar Ray? <laughs> Moving along. Um, shooting Ilana, Hardcore Henry, moving to i don't know man i've completely lost it completely lost it would you do me a favor <laughs> say, well i know that the moon isn't made of uh <laughs> or barbecued spare ribs but if would it was made of barbecue spare ribs would you eat it <laughs> i know i would hell i'd go back for seconds and I'd polish it off with a, two, a cool, tall Budweiser. Thank you. I've uh, needed a fix of that somewhat, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I, 
I need a fix of that almost. It's almost like cowbell, you know? Dude, that thing was like such a such a thing that season, just doing Harry Carey impressions or whatever. And then after <laughs> I was off, I don't think that I've done it nearly at all. Really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's you were spot like, on. Yeah, you ever have a weekend at a convention and there's like some sort of funny theme that you guys have with your friends mm-hmm. and then like the next day or Monday, it's like, yeah, that's over with. <laughs> yeah, we beat that one till, enough until next year and then we'll bring it up right remember when we beat that one until it was a dead horse then we kept beating it let's do that again yeah it's just what we do in milwaukee you know every year so beat true that horse yeah <laughs> harry carey uh kept us in stitches though like if it wasn't for your comedy i swear to you, i don't know how that season would have gone you know what i mean uh, that's I, th- I think that's just something I do to break tension, man. Like I-, I love having fun with people and especially when you're around a bunch of strangers and stuff, it's really good to just cut it up and have yeah. a good time. And we really did. Like I needed it more than I think most other people did. Like I needed to have a good time with people and, and make it's, it not, not as serious as it always was. You know? I never felt that you were um, taking it on like that. You were having that you were struggling like that during the season. Man, uh, I'm, I'm I was having a pretty hard time, like going through all that, just like my crazy personal life at the time and them keeping our phones from us at night. Like I could not talk to my daughter at the time because she would be asleep by the time I got my phone and she would be at school before um, or after I um, got up before. Yeah. Whenever I just couldn't find (laughs) an opportunity to talk to her. And it was really difficult to deal with all that. And I didn't mention anything about it until like right before we go from four people to three people. And that's when I started talking about like how difficult it was as often as I'd like to because of work as I was dedicated to work and because she was living um, with her mom about five and a half hours away from where I was. Um, And I never really had like been out outwardly, you know, conveying of that until then and then they sent halo home and i was in that you know that off cast kitchen or yeah. off shot kitchen or whatever so i was in mm-hmm. there and i was just drinking mini bottles and i was like oh god i can't believe i made it to the finale what the fuck how the hell did this happen who the fuck am i i'm not uh-huh. a big name or nothing and uh i was just feeling my feelings and i heard uh halo saying goodbye to everybody and i really like like respect that guy and i I really thought that you know he did a really good job on the show and i would have been super happy to go home uh if he got picked and that's kind of what i expected i always put him ahead of myself when we were filming i really thought he was the best there and felt like he was gonna win yeah me too. i was really surprised not to see him in the finale yeah me too and i was you know i was listening to him say goodbye to everybody and just taking it like a fucking champ like he always does and mm-hmm. i lost it i just started bawling man i was wow. crying my eyes out in that kitchen and uh he finally made his way around to me and found me and he was like oh man it's all right <laughs> don't feel too bad about it wow i got to hear his whole like spiel about like why he was there and what he was fighting for and everything and uh, god we we're so similar all right Dude, they used to make you bring up like every fucking personal thing. You remember when they uh, oh, yeah. were, were you there when Randy got sent home? Uh, yes, dude, they they pushed that shit out like just he did not want to talk about you know any kind of I'm gay and it's hard for me, right? And they, and they, they just forced it out. 
And as soon as they did, the judges knew exactly as soon as he said it. And they oh, shut no, him no, down. No, it's not about that. And they tried to spin it around on him. Made him look yeah. like, man, they made him look kind of bad. What over- is the one, like, most homophobic thing? I, maybe not most, but a, one of the most homophobic things you can do is to not, is to deny somebody rights, right? Yeah. And in this case, as soon as he started being like saying, I'm gay. It's tough to get less. They were like, shut the fuck up. We don't want to hear you talk. We're going to deny you your freedom of speech and expression. Also, we don't want people to get to know you or understand or fucking, you know, think of you as a human being. Like they shut him down about that so bad. And they started bringing up um, prior homosexual artists that actually, if you ask that homosexual artist, I think it's Greg, Greg Irons. I can almost guarantee he would say, yeah, it's tough to get a job as a gay, like same as it's tough to get a job as an apprentice, as a black tattoo artist. It's tough to get a job. I, I don't know if I've ever had a gay person ask me to apprentice them when I was in the, like did apprentice people, but that would be a consideration. You would, especially earlier on in my career, you would have to think, well, is this guy going to be able to make a living, you know, yeah. in my shop? And the truth of the matter is, during that time, it would have been harder, guaranteed. Or they're you know? coming into a shop that's um, owned by somebody who's not outwardly fucking homophobic, but actually is. Right, and, uh, right. Guaranteed yeah, that difficult. happened. It's difficult to get the balls up enough to even go into a shop thinking that's a possibility and ask right. for an apprenticeship. Like It takes right. a lot of courage just to exist when you're somebody that a couple of like large groups of people think shouldn't fucking exist. Right. And uh, Randy yeah. is not the guy that you meet and you're like, man, I think he's straight, right? He's definitely straight. Like you're kind of <laughs> <laughs> right. Randy, you're yeah. like, nah, this guy, he's gay. No yeah, question. He's gay and he's wonderful. He's a great, he's a really good tattooer too, man. Like yes. I feel like they, he got the chop a lot of the times for a bunch of stuff that they just don't have insight on. Right. Doing any sort of color realism, any sort of like photography based based uh, tattooing, uh, mm-hmm. those two guys are not the guys you would go to to judge it. No, uh, uh-uh, not at all. <laughs> and they almost hate it too. And when you bring it in front of them, they're like, "Ah, we hate it. We hate now. We hate you too." By the way, yeah, yeah. And that's why I, I was super freaked out about uh, Portrait Day when we were on for season four. Because you were worried about doing an actual portrait and getting beaten up for it or what? I was worried about like everybody having to do color portrait, like photo realistic portraits in color uh, <laughs> and, and having those two people judge them because I've seen like how they are really, really scrutinizing over it, even though I'm pretty sure neither one of them do that shit. Right. Or have done that shit. No. And, uh, so you don't understand the uh, holdbacks and you don't understand mm-hmm. like why somebody would choose to do it this way rather than the other way. Right. And I, yeah, or you make it make it. stuff up about how you think it is based off of your rudimentary idea of the way other people you've seen. Yeah. You know what? I, um, how would you have Nico Hurtado judge a con- uh, color? Portrait, you know? <laughs> yeah. I, I, how? Yeah. How? I mean, come on. But oh, yeah. well, that's what they did. Yeah. Um, and that's where we found ourselves that day. And I had skull pick that day, so I had to hand out like the portraits to everybody. Yeah, you fucking dick. Yeah, sorry about that. 
<laughs> actually thought I actually thought when I was given it, and this is like no excuse, but I thought Kyle would have a whole lot of fun doing this. It's super detailed. He loves yeah. detail. I, I did. Mean, I just wish he would have combed his hair. Yeah, they took that picture. You know, maybe every not, hair maybe was going somewhere. In, like, maybe not been in blue. And, or six uh, yeah, hours. I, I actually, when I was handing those things out, like obviously they had a, a gimme. You know, they had those two Wolverines, you know, and I was like, right. okay, so, something's up with this one. Mm-hmm. Something's up with the Wolverines, and I, I, I thought I could beat Scott. You know, honestly, um, I was like, man, I, I know I do color portraits, and this guy has never done anything like that. This show, and I don't think he could do as good he'd probably right. make it all graphic and they wouldn't want that you know because it's photorealism. <laughs> yeah. well he and made a graphic like, and they did want that <laughs> yeah and i totally lost um i did i did lose the hugh jackman in that piece um what i was banking on was remember how everybody had um two fucking references for that thing where it was huh? like one was like a full body picture and the other one was like a close-up portrait that you would do on somebody as a tattoo like a, a face from the neck up right and i was like oh okay cool but they didn't have all those extra references for um the wolverine i was like i we don't get to see the second one so i was like oh i bet it's a close-up with his claws in front of his face or something and i'll fucking knock it out of the park but it was the it, exact same one huh it was the exact same one a little <laughs> bit different oh and, there was uh, a bit of difference to it yeah, it was a different a different photograph, but the same uh, pose and everything. Right, like like seconds apart. They're like, all right, one more, just like that. Yeah, and then um, Melissa brought up the point, like they were like, we got the best photographs that you could possibly get, high DPI, and she's like, did you magically get better printers? <laughs> and they were like, oh shit, because yeah, what? we have to copy those things and blow them up and get them to size and everything to make a stencil. Except for Halo, because he had a Cintiq tablet, so he could do whatever he wanted. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so I was like, ah, fuck. I got this super tiny waist-up thing that I have to do a very accurate portrait of. And I was uh-huh. like, oh, fuck it. I'll do it. I'll do it. And uh, I, I did the uh, initial blocking in of the shadows and stuff, and then I let the guy chill with Bactine on him for about um, five minutes or something like that. And when I took it off, he was red as shit, dude. And every little peppery fucking gradation I got and all the color was just red spotty. Not right. good. And I was like, oh shit. So, so I had to go wall to wall color with it. Yeah, I okay. just I, I was like, I gotta go wall to wall color with it. And that right. ruined me because I don't do wall to wall color with portrait stuff like that that size. And I was just, I was just flustered and shit. Anyways, I could have done a way better job. I should have done a way better job, but um, yeah, I didn't think, uh, I didn't think, you know, definitely one of these things is going to win, going to have to win. Cause we didn't know, you know, fucking Hugh Jackman coming or anything. Uh, you didn't, you didn't say, well, I figure as soon as they had two of them, you're like, first off, if you're doing any X-Men first off Wolverine, right? That's mm-hmm. the one you want. And then second off when they had two of them, I was like, well, definitely one of those is yeah, going to be the so, winner. So I gave it. Uh, yeah, I took the one. I was like, yeah, definitely take the one and then give it to who do you give it to? And I was like, I'll give it to the guy who's doing the best right now because I want to you know, beat him. You know, if I, I can, I think I could beat him. That's my opportunity. And uh, when it turned but out, you have a, but a if you, portrait, <laughs> I was like, if you Fuck. had beat him and he was doing beast, you still would have beat him. Yeah, but I wanted it to be like very self-explanatory. 
right i wanted i wanted to beat him at like you know on the same level at I, his game yeah that's, I had that's what you get him. for honor brother Way yeah, to go. like i said i had respect for him <laughs> but I, if i uh gave wolverine to say jay or or whoever Halo. like if i gave it to okay. Roman, <laughs> i'd be like yeah no contest i'm gonna win the wolverine challenge but then you know in hindsight production would have had to pick somebody that wasn't hugh jackman to win which i think was yeah. still a possibility like you could bring him on and he could still say oh patrick stewart looks great thanks he for could. letting me be here but he didn't because <laughs> halo did that tattoo and it was the best one there's no question no i don't think so i think um sausages was the best one out oh, of really? the whole group yeah I, you, he nailed that one dude that was like you like that better than uh, the road portrait yeah definitely i mean I, I it was hard to say for sure because they were definitely the the two best color mm-hmm. portraits that got done that day and i you know i gave that one to halo because she said she wanted the full character on her ribs and i and she <laughs> talked her off of it and had a better reference to go off of uh, for a nice color portrait, which he nailed. He knocked out of the fucking park like I, he always will. And um, but he, if he had to do the full character on the ribs, it would have been a different story. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. And then, but uh, fucking sausage, man. That one was super, super good, man. He it's beautiful. Oh, it was. He did. He did stuff on that one that I was like, man, that's that's impressive. And uh, the background is whatever it, it wasn't that great or anything but who cares at that point you nailed the portrait you got pat that's definitely patrick patrick stewart, stewart yeah fucking awesome. as xavier yeah yeah and which, um, which is basically just patrick stewart so he had the easiest one arguably speaking but, of uh, old uh, of sailor jerry judging color portraits um mm-hmm. nico hurtado came on season three and Dude, you remember course, we couldn't even say his name on set? I'm sorry. Yes, I do. The name that they should were, not be mentioned. Say his name. Uh, so let me give you some hindsight him, to that. Yeah. Who, who Tell, started calling him? Somebody said uh, N word Hurtado. <laughs> I, th- I think it was um, General J. Yeah. N word Hurtado. That sounds about right. <laughs> I told Nico that because we we I, we see him at a show and uh, we're man. It, it seems like it might have been Philly. I think it was at the Philly show. Pretty positive. It yeah, was. yeah. We, we were all at the Philly show. I didn't um, hang out with you because I was hanging out with Dave Bell and um, Jay and everybody. Okay. I end up in a room talking to, to Nico. And I say, hey, Nico. And he, he remembered me from, you know, season three. And he's, he says, did you, when I say, hey, do you know, we actually started on season four. We referred to you as N-word Hurtado. Not for any disrespect, but because if we mentioned your name, in any of our critiques, we were shut down with such enthusiasm and uh, yeah, they literally said you, you shouldn't ever even mention his name. That's what they said. Yeah. They said it. Now, from that, we start, and he's like, what? And it, he says, let me tell you a story about that that you may not know. He says, on, on, when they had me come on, I was coming on season three to judge you know, he's Nico Hurtado, does the best color portraits in the world. So, of course, he's going to judge um, Architecture Day, I think it was, or <laughs> <laughs> Ge- Geometrics. I don't know. Is, um, actually, he was doing a, I, I did a Coliseum. Stonehenge was being done. It was like landscapes. You know, yeah. he does the best color portraits in the world. So we're going to be doing landscapes. And uh, he had a conversation with them right when he got there. And he says, first, we kind of need to have this hashed out. Right. He says before they were filming, they had a 45 minute long conversation that ended with Nunez saying, 
I think we'll just have to agree to disagree so that we can film this show. And then they went out and filmed. But prior to that, he, they were talking about the, he was like, Hey, you guys typically don't like my style of work. So before I go out there and give you guys this credibility from my, from who I am, you know, then let's talk about, you know, why you don't like it. And they're, well, they don't last. And he's like, but now mine do. Right. And they're like, you're the one exception. They kept telling him you're the one exception. Just like they told us never well, mention his name. Like hundreds of people that do the same thing. Right? And that of course was his <laughs> argument. He's like, I do, I teach, you know, I've got videos out teaching how to do my stuff. People do my stuff now. And, and you guys seem to have a disregard for it. And uh, I think he explained his idea of contrast and to make a tattoo last and how their ideas of contrast are like almost shortcuts. Like they believe nothing stays together without an outline, but that's not really true. Cause if you, the, the outline is a shortcut to contrast. It's yeah. Like, it's a like border for everything to, uh, well, it's just like a, a foolproof way of saying this is where it ends. Yes. And, and that is the shortcut because if you build contrast properly, then it will still be there, you know? Yeah. And I think, think there's something of that, that they kind of like, well, no, it just over time is like, no, mine. They're like, yes, but you're the, except. anyways, that it was always striking to me that they would come out to film as though they have the acceptance of, you know, but yet they just got done arguing these very points. And then yeah. we move on to the point where they're like, never say his name again, because we still don't want to accept the knowledge that he gave us about yeah. this injury, you know? Yeah, because they agreed to disagree. Which is terrible when you think about it, because you're like, wait a second, motherfucker. So really, the highest authority on color portraits in the world came down, and you guys didn't let him judge color portraits. You learned nothing from him. In conversation about those color portraits, you prove that you learned nothing from him. And you even want to take his uh, the ability to reference his name out of our mouths. Yeah. As, and even like, why bring him on as a judge if you don't agree with his opinion? Like, what's the point? Right. Of picking well, him that was his whole purpose to have the conversation <clears throat> before they went out, I guess. It's like, because why? And that was it, right? They brought him on to give them credibility. And it did give them credibility in judging our color portraits. A whole season later, you know, ability by namesake only and not actual like information they use to judge the tattoos. That's just pretty shady. And, and I, I really wouldn't expect a whole lot more from them anyway. <laughs> no, no, it, it kind of makes sense when you put it all together. Um, yeah. Conspiratories, conspiratories, conspiracies. Everybody's got a couple. I've had my few. You sure you I don't think... want me to call Jay back up for these ones? <laughs> <laughs> I already talked with Jay and uh, he's got, yeah, I listened to it. It was, it was hilarious. Um, Jay's, uh, you know, he's not wrong and he's not right. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't start with, he's not wrong, but. You know, oh, you would I, say he's not right, but he's yeah, not necessarily he's, wrong. Well, boy, in his opinion, he will never right. be wrong. Yeah, the boy ain't right. But in his opinion, he'll never oh, be wrong. Oh, damn it. Hello, Jay. There's no way you're going to convince him. God damn it. So, uh, <laughs> but honestly, my own conspiracies have somewhat, some have been kind of backed up and some have been shown, in my opinion, 
to possibly be more my own imaginations based off of coincidences and uh and uh, you know they always asked parting contestants for recommendations for other artists and stuff did they ask you for any and a lot of them that people were being asked for were being uh they wanted to get a pretty lesbian tattoo artist they, they didn't ask me for that specifically, no. And um, they didn't really ask me for anything specific. They just thought, oh, do you know any good tattooers? Um, especially a girl would be great. And I was like, well, yeah, that's a little specific. But yeah, I know plenty of female tattooers that are great and would be on this show. Um, right. So I gave them a couple of people that I was close to. But the, um, the troubling part is that a lot of the girls that I gave information um, out for were too uh, intimidated to go on the show because of how women were portrayed on the show previously. (laughs) Well, that would then also show the necessity that the production might feel for portraying them in a different light. Yeah. And the same thing with, um, you know, African-American tattoo artists, like you had a couple of people on there, but you weren't really like um, scouring the earth for the best of the best. I mean, I don't want to disparage anybody that's been on the show because they all, we're doing really great but when craig was on season three i felt like he sh- i saw his work i was blown away by it and i was like wow this guy's probably the winner but he really wasn't a personality he wasn't you know yeah. what i mean he wasn't yelling at people that were telling this he's very soft-spoken mild-mannered kind of guy like a normal person <laughs> like a it. normal person and i feel like and i th- I, I hope to have him on eventually so I can ask him more about it, but that that almost hurt him easily as much of as his supposed bad black and gray that he did. Did he do bad yeah. black? And gray? Never seen anything bad out of him, but <laughs> yeah, he, he didn't do bad black and gray. What he did uh, was the one day he did black and gray that they didn't like because he added white to his mixture and it wasn't oh, okay. the best. Yeah, I remember that one. Yeah. And then true gray, it's more like a color yeah. tattoo than it is like black and gray. Yes. Not and true. then they it's had um, yes, not true in principle. Uh, but then they had K Cutter come on with all the old tattoo artists um that had been on and they got tattooed by us. I tattooed Sarah Miller and there is no way I was gonna win tattooing Sarah Miller. I should have thought that one through a little better. Why not? Um, I missed that whole episode though. Like what was that whole exchange like? Well because they I love Sarah personally <laughs> hate Sarah Miller. You do? <laughs> no, not not me. No. Um Ollie is a chauvinist as well as a possible racist. And um, uh and he hates up like Sarah for Halloween. Sarah Miller. <laughs> and he t- I mean, he literally like we're driving around and they're making it look like we're um, were you, I wonder, were you there? We're making it look like we were on that bus and we were shooting in New York. But we were actually just driving around Ironbound, New Jersey inside yeah, of true. Dave's tour bus. That was your, that was your season, right? Was it Dave's tour bus or Ollie's like uh, RV that he had parked out? It, it was a tour bus. It was not Ollie's RV. Um, it was a tour bus. I don't know if it was Dave's. They might have just hired something, rented it out, you know. But it was a tour bus, like one that Dave would travel on. And um, then we drove around, and they were telling us stories about the finale last year. I talked to because I'd gotten to know Sarah, and I thought she was great. And so they started talking some smack about Sarah um, being a lesbian or something. Oh, or they started talking about somebody being a lesbian. Uh, that was a prior contestant. I'm like, as if it's a bad thing. 
yeah which and uh and i was like lesbian though i'm pretty sure sarah's getting married at the time she was engaged to a dude you know i was like pretty sure she's getting married right and he's like what to a guy and then they just started talking all kinds of smack about her uh her sexuality um her craziness i mean this bus ride was a long conversation about how and you could just tell just by the way they talk you know that they didn't think of her highly Meanwhile, and, yeah, that is no wonder why they got slapped with harassment charges over somebody. Yeah, yeah, <clears throat> I don't know. That settled out of court, so we'll never really know the true culpability or guilt, possibly, of those accusations. If, if you settle out of court, that just means that you had enough money to pay off the person you you smited. You know, that like, pretty that much doesn't mean does. they're not guilty. It just means that they're rich enough to not have. Right, to, um, but it could mean that the charges are over exaggerated if you follow me yeah it could but we all know that <laughs> no i've seen likely, it <laughs> you know that i saw it i didn't see unwanted tickling but i did see um i thought that they were friends because the way they were treating because Wait, you wouldn't like, treat okay so let's assume we're talking about a group of like very good friends mm-hmm. then all all tickling is unwanted this was an unsolicited yeah. uh, physical contact with somebody that you definitely don't have any any fucking reason to physically contact. Well, so, other things they were doing, like uh, she would try to hand them the water that they would ask, or she would hand them the water. They'd like, give me a water. They would hand her a water. They'd drink it. They'd go to hand it back to the girl. And when they would go to hand it back to her, right when she was about to take it, they would throw it 20, 30 feet away. Jesus Christ. Man. Now, when we see that as, as contestants, we imagine everybody laughs. Even the girl that had to go pick it up gives a little chuckle. I wouldn't but, have picked it up. I would have been like, fuck you. It was her job. <laughs> you know, I quit. And here's the thing. <laughs> they had two people competing for the same job. If I'm not mistaken, one was being paid for by original media and the other was being provided by Spike TV to make sure that these stars, as they are called, are taken care uh-huh. of properly. Now, one of them was a fan, a friend of Oliver's who uh, her boyfriend used to travel in um, in the warp tour and she got banged out according to James Vaughn while while she was uh, on the on season one. We won't say who or how or why or what, but I, I know the story you're talking about. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, he was uh, like, what the fuck? She's making eyes at him and she's but anyways, that girl was the other contestant or the other girl competing for that job. And so they were treating one room so that she would leave and the other, you know, nice so that she would stay and keep the job. Well, that's not fair at all. And also that person got themselves into a very sticky situation as far as employment goes. On yeah. Set. Um, yeah. Like, uh, they not, fired- not so sure if like I'm a fan of, uh, you know, James's description of getting banged out, but I'm pretty sure it was consensual. <laughs> and yes. uh, yeah, she didn't get anything that she wasn't asking for in the first place. And uh, he wasn't giving anything that wasn't asked for to. So, Be given. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, you know, romance. Uh, like, romance in the air. It happens sometimes. <laughs> love uh, was definitely say, in the air. It woke James up, and he's not the guy to go out of the room when he, when he thinks he's not wanted. Yeah. <laughs> James, like, so, you need some help? Yeah, I feel like that was probably grounds for um, 
stopping employment at that, at that point. And then, however, people, that girl came back up. That would, would really be like a bad thing to do as far as like a responsible production company. Company. Sorry, my dogs are going nuts. <laughs> That's fine. I'm keeping you a while, so I know how it gets. No, um, I should probably. Uh, what's your day like? Uh, I'm free. I'm done for the day. I'm free to do what I want. Um, but conspiracies, then you you didn't see them as conspiracies so much as you see them as a, ne- a necessary control that production would have, so that they have a good product. If if I could describe it um, as accurately mm-hmm. as possible, I would say it was their feeble attempts at uh, manipulating a group of people into behaving the way that they wanted them to, and okay. often ended up with not the result that they wanted and they had to scramble around at the end of the day and figure out how to spin it back into the narrative that they wanted to. Yeah. Uh, same, like, uh, same, same thing with politics. Right. People trying to control a, 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 a windstorm uh, yeah. of chaos, hoping so, that they can direct it. Yeah. They hire a group of people that are really good at like PR spinning and then yeah. they make them deal with all their mishaps and their feeble attempts to like manipulate people. I believe that is a <laughs> definition by George Orwell of capitalist. Ooh. If I'm not mistaken, a capitalist he, in his personal writings, not a, not in any of his books, but wrote that capitalists hope to uh, steer the tornado of chaos. So imagining that they can control its path of destruction. Yeah, and uh, so far they've been doing a really good job in this country just because the uh, spiral of chaos that they create and control is Mm -hmm. within a very small group of the people that are actually uh, monetarily invested in that atmosphere. Okay, like (laughs) by you mean then by poor people or you mean uh, something something else is different? The rich okay. it's, it's not about what poor people want um, when, when you're investing and making money. It's about starting rumors that scare rich people into putting all their money into certain things. Because the amount of money that poor people put into stocks, let's be honest, is not high. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so they, they just play games with each other over it. It's like a, a closed card game that like anybody without the buy-in isn't invited to. Do you... Um... So then how did you feel watching AMC and Game Game Bus uh, Blockbuster? It wasn't Blockbuster, it was Game Boy. No. GameStop. Yeah, was, are you talking about GameStop with the uh, mm-hmm. crazy crypto investment scheme that they had going on? Well, I don't think it was crypto anything. But yeah, no. it was uh it was uh, <laughs> I don't, Wall I only Street say, Bets or something, right? Yeah. I only say it's crypto because it's completely made up uh monetary values that they're playing with um right and it's, it's very similar to like the bitcoin bubble that they started uh it's it's all rumor mills man it's like they create these rumors about what's going to happen and then they cash mm-hmm. in on the reaction predictable by these people who pay investors to invest predictably into stock markets man like they they, they got it down they have the capital to stuff in there and they have the money to play around with. It's just, like I said, it's a very... They have shown, I believe, I, I don't know how backed this is, but uh, they have shown that the Robinhood investments and all these new investments that are allowing poorer people to have more share of the stock market was the idea, and that's the marketing ploy. But they have shown that that has actually caused more transfer of wealth 
from the poor people to the rich. Yeah. From the, because basically, just like you say, you get into the stock markets. Well, welcome to a game that you're new to, <laughs> that we've been playing for a while and we've kind of got, you know, it all figured out. Yeah. It's just like um, a conglomerate of poor people that make up one um, nearly unlucky person. Yeah, it keeps on thinking he's got it. Well, now I'm too much invested. I might as well go all in. What, what is his, uh, what's the solution? Uh, the solution so- would be, uh, you know, stop, st- stop stealing money from everybody <laughs> to pay for your fucking endeavors. Like uh, stop charging the general public all these taxes to pay for these projects that aren't really um, what the public would want and how they would want to do it. Earn well, wouldn't we <laughs> as the public then need to pay attention? Isn't that the problem? <laughs> I feel like we could take over. Okay, Have you heard uh, of meme <clears throat> magicians? Meme magicians? No, I haven't heard of this. This is a new and very interesting. There's a documentary I watched. It's called an anti-documentary. Actually, I watched a called uh, You Can't Kill Meme. And it's very interesting, and it goes over uh, meme magicians, people who literally call themselves meme magicians. They seek to use memeology as magic to control populations. And uh, in this documentary, they kind of go over the ideas that magic has often been used by small people, people who feel small against their circumstance or their um, power dynamic. They use magic as a means to try and control that. And in this case, vulnerable people, then. Yes. In this case, uh, meme magicians sought to do things like make Hillary fall down and make uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg die. And in their opinion, these are both things that their magic achieved. Their meme magic. Their meme magic. Really? Um, so, so you've got a bunch of uh, internet uh, trolls, trolls basically mm-hmm. that make up these little images that are memes. Yeah, yeah, that um, are thought and, universal and they, to everybody, and they feel like they are dictating the flow of government. Well, not just universal. There's there's um, a lot of art that goes into these, and a lot of trial and error. And as it, the, the reason it becomes interesting to me is because during that 2016 to 2020, even now. Well, not now. I'm not on Facebook. I got off Facebook because of meme magicians. That's why. Because uh, I would see somebody post something and I would happen to know that it was false, you know, and then I would show them that it was false. And then I would propose to them that whoever uh, made this meme that you shared also knows that this is false and that they are actually trying to control the way you think and more insidiously trying to influence your thoughts and your friends' thoughts by your spreading of this innocuously, like with no real compunction. And they would say, yeah, I just thought it was funny. I don't really think Hillary Clinton <laughs> yeah, the ultimate baby's defense. faces. Dude, that's what it would be. And then I now when I put that together with meme magicians, I know that that is the necessity of a meme that. Because if I can say something like in my defense of sharing an outright lie that would pollute the pool of thought or attention, right? 
that if I can just say, oh, I thought it was funny. I'm no longer responsible for it. I didn't even make it. That's part of the beauty of meme magicians too. You didn't make it. So how, how <clears throat> at fault are you? The bigger problem that I would find is that if this person means to control you and does so, and does so with a lie, then you actually should be as angry at him as you would be at the person that they are trying to offend. Uh, were that were that true? Like you should be as angry at this meme magician, but they don't. They have no problem. They don't unfriend. They don't unfollow. They keep sharing. And then I was like, wow. Now, the meme magician, if there's a scientific thought to it, I would see it like this. There is so much attention that the world has for any given topic, right? And yeah. if you flood that topic with so much bullshit that probably 60% of people don't even want to look right. 10% of people uh, either agree wholeheartedly, 20% of people are, but you're really controlling the amount of interest there. You're, you're controlling the rhetoric, even though it could be all lies. It's um, there is that uh, there, there's the way that you prove that a politician uh, is involved in nefarious things by simply showing all the, coincidences around them and then asking dubious questions about those coincidences you oh yeah, just like how media works yes it, it, and this is magicians who believe they have found the way to, and i feel like uh they might have like if they oh, are working together to destroy to sow chaos the funny thing is a lot of these mean magicians also want a change in the social structure and in capitalism. Those but, guys feel like they have some pull in actual geopolitics and um, policy development. <laughs> well, they believe they did because one uh, Hillary Clinton fell down when they tried to get her to fall. Uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg did die and they did get Donald Trump elected. And these are all goals that these meme magicians set out and were able to coalesce around. Lately, I feel like they're taking credit for something they never really did. Exactly. I feel like that <laughs> could be, but now at the same time, if they feel it, if they perceive that they did that and they made credit, then they are going to be doing it more. Yeah, well, I mean, any kind of encouragement would make them do that more. Um, yes. I feel like what you're describing as a meme magician sounds to me more like a parasite to topics. And they just <laughs> jump on whatever topic it seems they can find something to yeah. make a joke about. And then they uh, do that. And then they take credit for the changes that actually yes, occur. that occurs. Yeah. yeah, regardless of whether or not they made a huge funny meme. I mean, all you're really doing is selling people the same idea they've had in their head. And right. uh, yeah, you're, and you're, you're really somewhat bolstered it's by like the QVC of the Internet, where you're just like selling a bunch of cheap ass rings to people who have empty fingers. Like <laughs> what do you think of sheep? Sheep? Yeah, they're a big thing nowadays. Creatures. <laughs> They're wonderful creatures that uh, give us wool, and um, you know As they they don't actually they follow Christ. Uh, we know that they they don't actually <laughs> follow um, anything except for uh, they follow they run away from abuse. They run away. No, from they're abuse. they're uh, they well, they must love Christ because he doesn't abuse. He only wears them like a sweater or like a puts them around the, his neck. Right? He puts sheep around his neck. 
Yes, this is not something you're saying. I don't know. I grew up in the church, and Jesus Christ right. always had a sheep around. That's what, what I'm imagining is some guy from like Apocalypse Now that's wearing like a necklace made out of digital <laughs> No, it's more like um, uh, Izod sweater tied around the the, uh, the the you know like oh it's so hot I might need this later but uh, it's too hot to wear now so I'm just going to tie it around my neck. Oh, I but, guess so. I'm probably really just missing. The, I'm really just trying to get to the point where uh, people have been talking about sheep and lions a lot lately on the internet. Are you and, talking about uh, Jay again? Because I'm pretty much. sure he makes a post about that once a week. Did he? Okay. Where well, he fancies interest, himself a lion and the rest of the world is the sheeps. Okay. Yes. And this post, did he, uh, when he posts this, it's usually a picture or a meme? Yeah. Of, uh, go ahead. What, what are you talking about? Well, just a meme. It's it's just I my thought is it's hilarious to me for anybody to call themselves a lion and an independent thinker or independent in any way when they are actually just regurgitating shit that sheep are regurgitating. It's like it's not your idea. It's not your image. You know what I mean? This isn't independent. You didn't come up with this. Now, are you really a lion or are you a sheep that thinks you're a lion? And that's that's certainly funnier. Like, yeah, I would it, feel it, like somebody who is a sheep uh, on the internet would uh, eat memes like they were grass and not sheep. Yes, yes. If the, <laughs> if the major way you express your independence is through memes, you ain't that damn independent. Right. Um, can I uh, put a pause in this for just a, a minute or two? Because I have to say goodbye yeah. to my fiance. She's oh, absolutely, pretty- brother. Take your time. You want to take a five or ten, too? Because we can edit this stuff out. Uh, no, I, uh, well, whenever. Okay. Um, you're saying right, just get back to me whenever you need to. All right. I'm going to smoke this and drink some coffee. Yeah, do that. I'm back. Brother, Sorry, no, that's <laughs> fine. It, feel, it feels good, really. I, when yeah. I met you, um, you weren't doing so hot with uh, your relationship at the time, you know, and I've seen you struggle somewhat with it. So to hear, I mean, it sounded really touching. I was really happy oh, yeah. for you to have someone that loves you in your life and, yeah, and do, do you guys when, kill that dog together you guys just torture that thing to make yourselves feel better the thing with boris is that he, <laughs> he loves us so much that he can't stand when either one of us leaves for the day and he oh. has to scream it and uh you know just to give a, a brief description of my living room i i do have a bust of a deer head on the wall and it, uh, hanging from it is a banjo it's fully functional and every time boris barks it resonates in the banjo and it yes. gets even louder somehow so he likes you haven't thought about that. taking the strings off that banjo to avoid that or i think it'd be easier to take the strings off of boris <laughs> yeah i don't know if it would be it's going to take some doctor work there even what, so, what kind I of think, dog is boris so all right uh that's not the expected answer for what kind of dog is your dog no it doesn't usually start <laughs> off with all right either yeah. I, i'm guessing so, it's a mutt so amy has an allergy to uh short hair regular regular dogs that you would meet in the wild of the united states <laughs> okay um so we had to get a doodle mix, which is he's got to be at least 50% poodle or else his hair turns to fur and then she's allergic to him. So he is a mix of a Bernese mountain dog and a mini poodle and a golden retriever in a mini poodle. And then those offspring had him. Oh, wow. yeah, yeah, that's so weird. He, 
he's a special guy. <laughs> <laughs> Does he look like a special guy too? He's my special guy. I love him so much. He's a great dog. That's awesome. Just a no, little bit loud when she wants to leave or anybody needs to leave. Well, we made it to the part in the show where we talk about societal ills. Oh, okay. And, and I thought politics. we were talking about those for a little bit. Yeah, I'm just bringing us back to it. <laughs> oh, okay. Good segue. What, uh, Good segue. What's, <laughs> what's saving the universe? You said we, we all got to realize what? Oh, I don't know. We all got to realize a lot of things, honestly. Um, Can we ever? Is it too big now? I mean, are, is it possible that the, the rich are so rich you'll never be able to fight against the amount of rhetoric that they can control to make you hate the people that you need to team up with to actually make change? No, no, no. It's very simple to uh, counteract um, the elite's rhetoric if you want to change the world somehow. The, the uh, best way to do so is to have a child. And you have a child and you raise that child peacefully with the understanding that anybody who is outside of a general sense of peace or uh, conniving in any way is not somebody that you should put any sock into. And those like psychopaths that. will just off themselves through their own bad behaviors and natural selection will take over and we'll have a society full of people that really appreciate each other and don't have a lot of animosity towards people. Now, wouldn't it then be important for those? See, that works to me in some sense. But then I think about the fact that uh, these evil people are also reproducing and raising kids to think the exact opposite, that actually you need to uh, have power over people so that you can always be in a position to be, uh, you know, well off. Yeah, they do because they um, do not suffer. Mm -hmm. It's very easy to take uh, advantage of people's doubts and fears when um, they've been sheltered from things that might take uh, take advantage of their doubts and fears. So, to give uh, your child the knowledge necessary to combat those people is paramount. I mean, you need to. We can't live here forever. Like everything I learn in one lifetime is not going to make a difference. No, if you I teach parted. your child this good and there's one child that does, and then two people teach their children that they have to have power over everybody and to try and control the resources of those people around them so that they can always have their own resources, then you're outnumbered two to one if you follow me. So if, if this is at, at one point, uh, you're fighting against the the ideology that is your antithesis in that case, the the opposite of your ideology, right? Yeah, they, I mean, because they've got, they've got somebody that's um, knows their ins and outs and takes advantages of their naivete. And well, uh, this is this is true, and we've seen it forever, right? So, like, <clears throat> and they're still doing it now. Do yeah, you feel but that? But if we if we can uh, collectively sit down and impart the knowledge about um, the tools those kinds of people use to manipulate you and recognize them in their uh, arming phase rather than like dealing with it afterwards, then yeah, you can be successful with that. Like it will naturally disembark from human nature. Well, I hope you're right. I'd yeah, like to well, see some change. I hope I am too. I, I don't think that it's really easy to make a large scale consciousness change 
that's going to uh, make the world a better place for people. It's not easy. We've been going no. through for at least as long as I've been alive. If I trust, they've been trying, haven't they? It's uh, some yogi always comes out and he's like, "Hey, we're going to get everybody's mindfulness higher. We're going to yeah, do this." But, uh, I would have to say the best tools that I've found uh, for counteracting psychopathy and people trying to manipulate you is um, to understand their methods, their, their um, tools they use to like manipulate you. And uh, as soon as you encounter somebody who's like that, just discount them from the rest of your life. Uh, tools. Uh, would you, would you guard your children against? Uh, any kind of phallic arguments, like not phallic, like penises, but like phallic, <laughs> like uh, their fallacies. Fallacy. So <clears throat> if you have uh, arguments that curtail the subject of what you're talking about and appeal to your emotions, then you should ignore anything said after that happens. Uh, uh, you can just walk away from conversations. Like I wish people knew they had the power to walk away from uh, conversations that are getting steered towards things that are non-productive uh, for themselves and the person involved. Like it's, it's all about relationships. It's all about um, dealing with people uh, that might have faults that you see and they don't like, do you want to go fix mm -hmm. those faults and spend the time and energy uh, untangling addressing that mess giant knot in the charger of their psyche or do you want to just walk away and deal with somebody who doesn't have that issue right and will it actually change I, I encounter a lot of times there's there's different words people use to to kind of acknowledge that you're right but that they're not but you also get the sense they are not taking it away as their newfound truth you know they could have a claim and then you disprove that claim and they acknowledge that their claim has been disproved of some sorts, or you can even force it. Usually they'll just try and change the claim, move the yeah. goalpost. Yeah. They move However, the goalpost, make a straw man argument, all those make a yeah. straw man argument, one that's easier to defeat. Yes. And, and that happens generally. So you restate the claim. Well, you claim this, you need to show me the evidence of that. And then when you get them to finally, if you've, you know, it can be exhaustive, honestly. To yeah, argue. it's extremely tiring. I mean, look and at when the, you get to um, that point, then they they walk away though. Still, like, yeah, okay, I see that. I'll give you that. And they might even try this one. Well, we'll agree to disagree. And you're like, well, no, we just we we just went down this lane of you have no more evidence to offer, but yeah. yet we still come to the point where instead of accepting this newfound as your newfound truth, you're going to just agree to disagree. Yeah. And I, I believe that you and I have found ourselves at those um, points. At times, during, yeah. You know, I, I really, conversations at a, at a, I um, really <laughs> strive to understand you, though, because I find that you, uh, you think these things through and yeah. that you have a reasoning for your thoughts. Was it, I oh, think yeah. you were a fan of Stephen Molyneux or whatever, Molyneux. Stefan Molyneux. Yeah. I, yeah I not a huge fan, fan of myself, but some of, mm -hmm. some of the stuff that he says. Uh, you have to really pick the corn out of the shit when you're listening to that guy. <laughs> That's what I find. Yes, <laughs> you, you do. But not and that I, I don't want to try, because at the same time, this is an understanding that other people have, even if they don't share my same perspective or, or you know viewpoints. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's followed. He's 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 loved by some, and some take he's, his he's words as just a large concrete. group of people that have been like. 
Oh God, he's like just really appealing to people that are uh, in recovery from abusive situations that need a little bit of empowerment. Okay. And, uh, and, and then once you get the empowerment from the guy and his conversations, you could just leave. You should just leave. <laughs> it's, it's not you're getting gonna better get from here on up. Yeah, you're just going to get caught up and tangled into a net of stuff that just, it, it's super biased. Like okay. uh, when, I, when I was listening to him, it wasn't as bad um he's got the early days okay yeah it's it's just really it's really hard to dispute the guy because he does have a fact checker that pulls up numbers when you're talking about stuff and he has a brilliant ability to uh steer those numbers into the conversation that uh skews your point in your own self-experience so it's dangerous to like encounter somebody like that and talk to them because they've de- they've dedicated their entire lives into fucking up your argument for what you believe in um as long as what you believe in uh doesn't harm somebody else and it generally benefits uh the situations that you find yourself in and it's true to what you actually feel in your heart then you don't need anything more than that like you really don't <clears throat> it's 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 um difficult to describe because like i i've noticed the argument happen a lot with people who believe in god and don't believe in god or mm-hmm. something that's easily just like discredited because there's no physical like proof of that shit and so many people that are enter into arguments over these things don't have their shit together didn't do research didn't counter research their research right. and it just it falls flat and you end up in this like stalemate where you're like, well, I don't know. Well, I don't know what <laughs> right. when you ask that question because right. I haven't done my due diligence and um, everything. What, they, do, what do you believe? Do you believe in, in God? You're not so spiritual that I've known you. To be. Mm, I'm not spiritual. I'm not into organized religion, man. Like I, if I, if I believed everything that the Bible said and that God, is um, there for you as long as you're good and answers your par- prayers, then my daughter would still be alive. So I can't really like enter into a organization that is based off of those kinds of things. Like I can't tell you how many times I prayed for my daughter to make it and it just oh. didn't fucking happen. And for somebody to say to me that that's part of a larger plan uh, is hurtful. It's a terrible way of saying an actually good sentiment um what what they're trying to say i think is that you need to have faith like when you're when all all the chips are down everything you have is on the table you need to have faith that you know the universe is going to provide some sort of um thing that's going to help you to not want to go fucking kill yourself basically and a lot of the arguments that uh come up that's that's the issue like you took away like the biggest thing, the best thing that I could have ever had. And how do I, how do I go on living without constantly being reminded of that and wanting to not participate in this circus anymore? How do I be a part of you? How do I be your fan base as well? Am I asking, maybe I'm adding to this something wrong, but how do I say, yeah, you're the cool guy. Despite this being the biggest thing to me and yeah, it not being the there and me that's trying to say that you're a, you're a loving God is very tough. 
yeah that's the problem i have with um how they use the word god uh, i i don't think that it really is like an entity up there in the clouds that determines everything has this plan like just so simple they lay it out and it's not like that like so you, you do have though some spirituality because you're saying you're not saying doesn't exist there's nothing here but you're saying it's the way they describe them and imagine yeah, they, him I, or I, it. I, I believe they've got it wrong and that you use the word God to describe um, just just to put a pin in something that you can't describe. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's not describable, which therefore I can't describe it. So um, it, it just is what it is. And it has been what it has been. It's always going to be what it's always going to be. It's just like, that's what and it's not God good is. or evil necessarily. It doesn't no, have feet and walk through a garden. It probably doesn't have facial hair. Yeah. There's no will to it. The, the fact that um, okay. everything exists, it just exists. And um, I, I do feel like when you think about it, your definition of existence really needs to be literal because you exist in so many different ways when you're alive on this planet. You exist because there's a record of your lifeline. There's uh, okay. things that you've said that have been recorded. There's an impact that you put into the progress of this machine, this mechanism that just keeps moving forward. And uh, you don't truly understand it until you finally are not constrained by this one plane of understanding. Existence. Yeah, and then so basically, you, you don't understand it until you're not here. Yeah, until it, it doesn't matter about you understanding it, you can yeah, do nothing. It doesn't. it doesn't. I wrote a thing for my dad's funeral about that stuff, and I was like, you know, the way I imagine it, my dad was like in bed, he fell asleep, and uh, he had a heart attack when he was sleeping. Mm-hmm. And uh, imagine what that would feel like oh, just brief moment of panic where your heart starts beating really fast, and then it can't. Uh, control how fast it's beating and then the next thing you know you black out the only thing you see is these colors and spirals and stuff until you stop becoming what you were on this planet and start becoming a memory and everything in possibility and then the next thing you know you're part of existence just as much as everything else and you've achieved that highest level of existence that uh that you can think and be achieved that exists basically how did that go over at the funeral well it didn't i had a really <laughs> bad experience at my dad's funeral um i'm sorry i didn't get to say that until i was in private with my brother and sister but uh you know for me it was the truth it was the truth at the time it was really hard to listen to people talk about a man who was 35 years old never knew his father uh taking on the burden of every sin in the world from now until eternity and dying for it being not only oh, dying for it, but like mm. suffering the highest. So you level got me when you got him wrong. You can feel, you know, like it was just his, insane. his age was wrong. 33, but yes, 33. either way. Um, High, either highest level of, of physical pain, physical, mental, spiritual, everything was like the highest level that you could experience in that story. Um, Mm -hmm. Imagine it like you're being tortured to death by a bunch of people who don't like you, don't want you to be around. And 
the only person that could save you is your father who could save anybody from anything and they don't do it. They don't do it because why, where are you? Um, that's just a terrible, terrible thing to go through. Yeah. Um, I could try to argue devil's advocate against you in that, that it was terrible, but the Lord asks terrible things of people all the time. And he wouldn't, it would be like nepotism for him not to ask the same of his son if he were to take on the sins of all these people. Okay, yeah. Then um, I wonder why Jesus asked where his father was and why he did that to him. Was that like, why have you forsaken moment? me? Is that what he says? Yeah. And um, wh- why um, is that like a poetic thing? It seems like a very. Uh, seems like you would take that part out of the Bible if you had the ability. It's a pretty contrived fucking piece of poetic uh, justice that they they put in there. Well, is that maybe just to show that Jesus himself at that moment had such doubt in all of it, but then that he was proven when he rose three days later to have been wrong himself. And then he gets to son. die right again as soon as he as soon as he's raised from the dead. Like, no, as soon, he he ascended to heaven as we were as we were to, told to understand. Okay, but we all know that that's like probably not how it went down. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, we can imagine. But if we follow the Bible, we just imagine it went down like that. And why would you think anything else? It's written right here. Let me I read would. it for you again. Because you've never seen anything like that ever happen before. No, no, um, that's true. Yeah, I don't know. The, the whole thing's pretty difficult. I feel like, um, I don't know. I feel like we're all part of this thing. Like, mm-hmm. if you think about it in mob terms, I would call it this thing of ours. <laughs> Las Costa Nostra. <clears throat> yeah, the, thing, the things in the universe that have a consciousness and, and um, are able to... Uh, by themselves record the time they exist who knows how far down that goes or how high up it goes but you know we're all part of that thing and um when we die we don't become not part of that thing we just become a different kind of part of that thing you know and um yeah it's comforting to me if i have to find comfort in the fact that i know i'm gonna die which i'm one of i'm the only species on the planet that we can really say knows that and uh, my comfort is in that, like, existence is different than you think it is, or than most people think it is, anyways. Like, not just waking up, watching TV, going to work, all that stuff. Like, all the things we encounter in the day, I, I don't feel like that's all there is to us. I feel like we're going to become we're going to become part of the ether. You know? Well, isn't that also the uh, same impetus then that draws many to organized religion? The feeling that they are special or that there's more to, you know, them and everybody else. Yeah, I would uh, hope like that God has like a plan or some, some sort of different punctuation. You could put at the end of the sentence or like a different way that you could say we are all special or they are all special. <laughs> right. That well, what if we say everything? we all share this thin uh, th- this morality, not morality, this mortal, you know, this this tenuous time on the earth or in existence. We all share death. How about that? We just say we share death. Isn't that awesome? Because we also share suffering, really, too. Yeah, we also share puberty. 
like um <laughs> there's a lot of different well not all yes no we do we do well matt if you make it that far yeah yes i follow but, but uh, uh we would and mammals are all born with hair so if we're just going by mammals then we could also say we all share that yeah. however um i i i feel like oftentimes Christians will explain to me they understand and know that God exists because he's been integral in their life. And, the, and what they will describe next generally, in my opinion, is, a, is, con, um, is, is coincidences that they imagine make them special. I know that I'm here for a purpose because of these times that I was close to not being here. Car accident, skidded wrong, got right somehow divine fortune we made it through you know now i know that god must exist but in the very case by that same set of circumstances in the case of your daughter i'm sorry to to say to to, to bring it up at all again but no absolutely okay to bring her up all the time i want to celebrate that she was thank you well i don't mean to have but i mean to say that that exact situation then when compared that is the antithesis of them saying i am here for a reason because of a coincidence. And you can say this very important person never had the chance to know her, her maker, her God, or all these kinds of same things, never got to enjoy life anyway in a fair way compared to yours. And now by you being here for a special reason, it almost is like you're saying she's not. Or then that's where they have to tell you that everything happens for a purpose and it gets so angry because. To me, it gets angry. You follow, I think you're following me yeah, because yeah, I do. it's like, uh, oh, oh, so you exist for a purpose. My daughter doesn't so that you can come and tell me one day that you exist for a fucking purpose. If you figured out nothing else, you have an obligation, motherfucker. Don't come to me and tell me, oh, I exist. and I'm not really sure I figured it out yet. Once you figure out that <laughs> God means that you're supposed to be fucking here, you better get the due diligence, right? You better go to work because my daughter doesn't. Yeah, I, I could see that argument um, being like a part of my emotional journey through all of this. But honestly, um, it's not I know that when, you walk away from it and let them that's that's one of the conversations you don't have to have. I'm guessing. Yeah. When you're when you're in a conversation with somebody who's aggravated about something else besides the subject of your conversation or anything that has to do with you, you probably walk away. Well, that's because how you taught me something. on Ink Master, too. Did you yeah, know that? On Ink oh, Master, you taught me how to get rid of the cameras. Oh, the Obamacare? <laughs> okay, that was one of your methods. <laughs> Obamacare. Another was, have I told you about my personal Lord and Savior? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude, just get rid of them. Um, it, it, they can't it works the same you. with people. Yeah, they can't film you when you have a narrative that's outside of uh, the show. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I I feel the same feelings of like anger and um, you know remorse for my daughter not being here for longer than she should have. I definitely mourn a, a ton for the life that I imagine she could have had mm-hmm. uh, had she been alive and given the chance to. But especially I here with uh, you and and uh, in a, in a good strong relationship this time. Yeah. I definitely think she was going to have like a, a really good uh, head start on most of the world. How old good... is 
your other your your daughter has got to be almost 20 by now am I wrong? she's 18 she's going to graduate okay. high school this year she got accepted to almost every college she applied to she's doing fucking fantastic she's making me so proud what i know of her is that she was silly she's she always just silly dude that kid the most like, awesome silly little girl uh-huh go on crack wit dude that like just comes back to me um super fast all the time she's a brilliant brilliant person I've, she I've, gets on you you mean she's firing them back to you absolutely i'm like the biggest victim of her of her uh little <laughs> snipey ways that she has Joshua um, Hibbard explained to me that that means you have done a good job raising your child with a comfortable environment where they feel that despite uh, poking fun at you, they won't, your relationship between them won't be harmed. Their situation won't be harmed. They physically won't be harmed. Uh, it, it when, so I don't know. You can take some pride from that, I think. Yeah, I, uh, I listen to that podcast. I've listened to almost all of your podcasts. Really? Yeah, I'm, I'm clear. I'm very nearly that. clearly through everything. Oh my uh, god! The other ones that I have left are your one with your son, your one with your best friend and your brother, and um, you know just anything that wasn't pertinent to the Ink Master, which we barely talked about. I feel like right. Well, you know, I mean, what is do do people? I mean, they care to an a point, right? But if this podcast were to be built off of just Ink Master then I could maybe be here for six months to a year. And then, all right, well, that's done and over. And why have the passion for it, you know, at that point? Yeah, but I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed uh, listening to the, not only just the old stories, those were great, you know, just listening to everybody talk about what it was like to be on Ink Master. And um, yeah, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, it, it, it was a little uh, heart palpitating to listen to stories about myself, especially when I don't remember most of them. <laughs> <laughs> what did you hear that uh that got you going like that was that about the ruck uh bathroom story that you don't recall what what was it yeah it was just pretty much anything that had to do with me i felt like uh you know your heart starts beating real fast and you're like oh god i hope they don't say it like i have imposter syndrome really bad what so, is that like, uh imposter syndrome is like when um you don't think that you live up to the credibility you've gotten okay and uh <laughs> I feel like it's real rampant with people that went and did the reality show that we did, you know, because you're um, not fully uh, all the time. You, know? <laughs> you ever feel like when you're, when you're setting up for a tattoo, you're like, oh, I'm going to do this. It's going to be so good. But then everybody's going to know exactly how I did what I did. It's going to be awful. And they're going to tell me the head's too big on this guy or something like, like that's just, that's imposter syndrome. Okay. Like you're do, not as do, good as you think you are. I, I, uh, but you, but you still think that you are, you think that you're good or you think that you could be, but you still, you just don't live up to the expectations that other people of, and yourself put on. So I've kind of like, I don't know where I sit with it really. Cause I bounce back and forth a whole lot. So I feel like I, I deserve the accolades because I went out and did it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, you know, put in all that stress and effort into like surviving being on that level of scrutiny with people and that I deserve, you know, some attention for that, but it's really hard to draw a line where do I, where I deserve that and where I sit realistically, 
on the spectrum of tattoo artists and the spectrum of art in general. Like, where mm-hmm. do I sit? It's a real mind fuck when you come back from doing the show because you don't know whether you're doing things right anymore. Everything I did before, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm doing everything the best I know possible. This is the way. This is the way you do this, mm-hmm. the way you do that. Then you get on there and they're like, ah, you fucked up over here and you probably shouldn't use white anymore. And <laughs> ever. <loop>. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I follow. You first, uh, do you loop. ever feel, I feel more often, I believe, that this is almost this actually very problematic with me um i feel like in many senses nothing i ever do for the rest of my life will ever be able to accomplish the greatness that i was involved with during that time because of all the many different factors that i could never control you know so many people working together to make that awesome but now if it also feels like okay that was the mountaintop you know yeah, it's uh, how how do you tell as a person when you peak, you know? And when that is the mountaintop, or when you imagine it like that, my biggest problem then was how do I get the the care to go on each day? You know, if 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 my it's almost like your struggle's over now, the struggle is just dealing with mediocrity. <laughs> yeah, because you, uh, there's a new crop of motherfuckers that come in every year anyway. So I mean, like, how how hard do you stand out against them anyways? Even on your upper uh, echelon. Yes, you old chop liver mofos. Yeah, we're just I I'm just it. Kyle Dunbar, the guy that like did this and that. You know, I tried to get. I got mad at somebody who pointed out my weaknesses and tattoo. That's yeah. what I did. Well, people don't fucking remember that shit either. They remember that you uh, had a confrontation with somebody they thought was uh, considered invincible at the time. <laughs> so well, we, we met him live. We know better than thinking he's invincible. Yeah, but other people don't, you know, and they and they really have you run into see that and they like that that you fucking stood up for yourself to somebody they feel like they could never have stood up to you know they they admire yeah. you for that they champion i think your- he kind of in the storyline i think he became the boss like everybody's boss that doesn't approve of their work you know and uh and always gives them a hard time about it always points out all their flaws with it and yeah, so when i go ahead and strike through. back at him they're like that felt so good they might look at him as their fucking husband that doesn't ever do anything except criticize them or their wife that doesn't do anything, but they, they get to be the bad guy. You know, the judges get to be the bad guys. Do you run into uh, Nunez ever? You ever see him anymore? I saw him at DC for a convention and okay. hung out with him. We actually went to the bar and like got a drink or two and talked with him a little Piper's bit. Piper's show? Yeah. Oh, right on. I, I didn't yeah. uh i usually end up doing that show so i didn't see him there, so. yeah it was good he did uh he judged the contest there for the weekend and i actually won best black and gray oh nice job from chris <laughs> from chris he did yeah. he be like i i owed you that one man i'm sorry or <laughs> you really earned it no i never talked to him about it at all i got the right uh, trophy and i never told him i did it in the first place it was like he was oh okay like, like so, he yeah, would remember anyway yeah, you won it then. He didn't even know it was you. <clears throat> yeah. Congrats. Um, yeah, I, I kind of like, uh, I know I should hate him because my fans would really love me to hate him. But at the end of the day, I don't win that way. You know, yeah, and Kyle, look, look, you don't boy, did he do help anything. me out. You don't have to do anything that Kyle doesn't want to do. Yeah. 
Yeah. So if you want to love him one day and hate him the next, it's totally fine. Dude, just go through your process, fucking. You know. I got it. I, that's where I'm at with it. I, I I hate how he was made to portray me on or portray himself on the show. I don't even know. Actually, I just love the guy because I swear to God, without him, where the fuck am I? You know, like you're at least exactly, I got that opportunity. You're exactly where you're where where you deserve to be right now, man. Like, uh, oh no, I never want to be where I deserve the shit I Chris, deserve. Look, Chris, Chris didn't. Chris didn't put you where you are today. He, he's not responsible for your success. No, you are. You went on the show. You went on the show twice, but probably a couple other times with the little spinoff episodes too. Like you did that. Dude. You, <laughs> you went out and did that. So it's definitely not Chris. Like he might have made an interesting fucking narrative, but it wasn't his idea. That was productive. Well, no, but uh, God bless him for following suit and stuff. It, I guess I just come to this point where he was saying it before and he kind of, I mean, I'm sure he knew more about how well I would be treated by his and how badly he would be treated about all the things he was doing than I ever did, you know? And at the time, I really hated him and uh, really, fuck, God bless you, man. Thanks for being my hater. Yeah, I mean, he by hating somebody, you make them a fucking martyr. You make them like a really good person to the most people in their perspective. It's the same or thing even that happened with sausage. You just drive them. Uh huh. It's the same thing that happened with sausage. Like, a you know, a remarkable tattoo artist. But I think the real popularity came from him being a punching bag for Scott and being a punching bag for me when he didn't deserve it and like okay, seeing that disparity yeah. really like ignited everybody's uh passion for sausage you know so <laughs> everybody's passion for sausage that's just sausage. yeah <laughs> but people yes do have, people do have a passion for sausage especially <laughs> in chicago <laughs> yeah he, he and and i follow you now too that makes perfect sense i yeah, feel dude. like um he was possibly even saying the same and yeah uh, he, he should he definitely at least be as grateful to scott for creating that narrative as you are for uh chris yeah. creating that narrative because they they made the story the story that everybody likes they, they put him as david and scott as goliath and people respond to that <laughs> underdog story and then uh, though, you you did the same thing the next time did you have any idea that that might backfire like that or not Absolutely. I did not want to do any sort of contest with him. And that was a popularity vote because I knew that he was going to win it. So and you knew that that one, that, I mean, that Twitter one was obviously a popularity. So yeah, you but knew that, you were losing that really that. had too much to do with the outcome of the finale. Like all it could have done is saved me. Like it could have saved me. It really didn't do anything for the other two of them. But because of their okay. narrative, like people decided, oh, I think uh, we need to vote for Sausage instead of the person who's actually in jeopardy at this point. Oh, was there three people involved? I thought it was just you and him. Yeah. So the finale for season four was um, voting. America gets to vote for who they think should stay safe. And um, then the judges get to take over. So they all vote for Sausage because they like him and they think that Scott's going after him. But he was safe the whole fucking time. Like they could have voted for me, kept me safe, and then had the judges make the split. Yeah, I follow. So it's a now missed what, opportunity at least. Yeah. What about when you went against him on the stage uh, when you, the tattoo was up? 
up for grabs. So you had to know you were going to lose that one too, right? I, I, I probably could have done things differently to win it. You know, like mm-hmm. I was thinking, well, yeah, we're tattooing for the judges. So let's, let's do something this style that they like and I'll do something they like. And then um, it turns out it was crowd vote. Well, let me tell you something. But wasn't it a Twitter vote or what was crowd? No, it wasn't, wasn't Twitter at all. It oh, was it's audience vote. applause. Yeah. But still, that's going to be a popularity vote. It's not going to be based on the work. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's not based on what we just did. It's based on like, who do you like better? You like this guy? Yeah. You like that I feel guy? Like <laughs> that, that was, I mean, honestly, I feel like I benefited from that because Chris May did a better tattoo than I did when we were in the shark tank fighting against each other. Yeah, and I feel like, um, I don't know, uh, Sausage is a more appealing tattoo to a crowd than I did, but I was like definitely tattooing for the judges when I was in the right. finale. And um, I liked the tattoo that I did. I really liked the tattoo that I did. Um, I blacked out when I was fucking talking about, um, you know, where you go up and defend your tattoo or whatever. Uh-huh. Yeah, so I reverted back to what I said on the previous finale because that's all I could remember at the time. I was really, really <laughs> fucking nervous. Were you drunk or are you just nervous? I drank, but I couldn't get drunk, you know, like because I had a tattoo for six hours. So I had a couple okay. of shots like here and there, but I wasn't drunk. I was just like, I, I blanked. I didn't know what to say. I didn't rehearse enough before we went up to um, like articulate like how I felt about the actual tattoo. <laughs> so what did you say of it i i don't know i blacked out and went back to uh the same thing i said for my finale piece the first time i was like this is my tattoo this is my style i really think it's really unique and all this stuff i remember and, your first time you had a, a fibonacci in there too did you mention yeah, any dude, fibonacci no they wouldn't let me uh talk about that in the finale Shay kept saying it was taking too long and she was like, the other guys have like two sentences about their tattoos. And like, I'm sorry, they didn't think that much about their tattoos. <laughs> and you're being Let penalized for their lack of thought. Yeah. So, do you think pretty- that that Fibonacci, because uh, that's that golden spiral, and it was definitely prevalent in your tattoo? Yeah. I try to use it as a, as a thought, but I really don't. I mean, it's easier it should, just to do the two thirds rule, which it is a always cheap. be an afterthought. Yeah, it should. Well, the okay. third rule is part of the Fibonacci because yes, a, I know, it's but it's like a, a cheat to it. Okay. Yeah, but you you use it as an afterthought, so you draw your appealing image to yourself, and then you apply the spiral to the image and kind of move things around and conform your composition to fit into it. Okay. And that way, you have something that's. Um, Did the judges will still hate? Yeah. <laughs> <Apparently>. <laughs> Actually, Actually they, they, they didn't say they hated it at all. No, they, they really liked it. Um, a couple of issues I had with it was that, like, obviously I had a bulked out, like, muscle dude. And I didn't have, like, a little lady to do a flat canvas on. So I had to compensate mm-hmm. for, like, lifts and drops in the topography of this guy's back. Right. And Which changes uh, a lot. Yeah. I put a, a snake bend around the side of the neck that made it look super long. So I got a lot of fucking uh, comments about how it's a giraffe neck and she has three boobs because one of them's a shoulder, (laughs) just really ignorant stuff. But I will say that um, in Europe, like when stuff started going off over there, they really liked the piece. They really enjoyed it. It's funny how, how things do change 
you know, continent to continent as, as uh, the show gets released there and you, you get a whole different feel sometimes. Yeah. Some, I, I forget where Candy ex- was explaining to me. She's like, everybody seems to really, a lot of people really don't like Joshua Hibbert. However, I forget where she said it was. There was like one country that was just like, that's our dude, man. We fucking love yeah, that guy. Was it, was it France or something? It, it seems it was it was a European country. It was like France, Switzerland, Norway, some shit like that, possibly. Yeah, dude, I, but, I've actually noticed that like France and Germany um, mm-hmm. seem to accept uh, some sort of personality that's like reminiscent of Asperger's a lot more than our regular exactly. American personality. Right. Well, that's I mean, that's definitely him. And yeah. uh, and he he got over pretty good with him. It was just weird to see how it could change, you know, um, culturally, I guess, country wise. But it must be a cultural. Well, there's a lot of cultures over there, too. So who knows? Yeah, Everybody's got culture. <laughs> I mean, it's not like a question or anything. But, you know, where does the, where does the culture lean like towards somebody that like really doesn't put up with bullshit or somebody that uh, puts on airs and is more amicable to the general public? Like that's what America seems to be leaning towards not so much europe yeah uh, that's kind of sad for me i mean i benefited from it and yet it's still kind of sad for my country and it's a sad showing of like that's why they like you kyle is because uh you know you didn't put up with shit you know like really it's i got it i probably should put quality up man like it's a, it's a strength in, in um your personality when you don't put up with shit but to be yes. more capable, if it lines you in jail it, does, it doesn't feel like it well, then you've committed a crime. Okay. <laughs> so, all bets are off after you uh, incringe on somebody else's freedoms or rights or something. Right. Right. <clears throat> well, sometimes I've already told you about getting kicked out of the Renaissance Festival. Oh, have you? I, I asked to see the Queen's tits. But, dude, the way I asked was completely within the confines. Of <laughs> <laughs> so. Just because you use the parlance of the times doesn't mean like it's not uh, it's not inappropriate, dude. We're inside of a I, not just the parlance of the times. They expressly told the whole bar that the rules of the night were laziest, lechery, and debauchery. And by like yelling out, "Show us your tits," <laughs> I hit them all three: lecherous, debaucherous. It was the queen. It was you know it just and it was lazy. I yelled it. But they quickly grabbed my beer and escorted me out. And then, then a uh, police officer, for some reason, she, she, I don't know, she she doesn't get the taser very often, you know. They gave her oh, the her weapon happy. for the day. And, dude, she's fucking tasered the fuck out of me. Like, oh, as dude, she was trying to trip me. How did that feel um, to get tasered? It, it wasn't the prongs. I still kind of want to do the prongs. Like, purpose, I know it's as stupid as it sounds, but I'd like to go to like that cop training where they do just to feel that I wouldn't, I, you don't die, you know, and yeah. cops go through it. I'm, I'm, I'm sure it's not a pleasant, but I know that you can, you know, it's, it's going on places. And, and many of my friends are police officers, but I don't know. They told me they would, that they would, uh, they might have hard time doing it inside of a class setting like that, but however, they might be able to get the taser and just give it to me. at any rate. Um, yeah, she just hit me with the cattle prod part. If you oh, okay. me. So she yeah, shocked yeah. me up the back several times in, no in like a punching no fashion. No pellets, no wires. And then when it made it to court, um, 
somehow eight officers, male officers, eight male officers all witnessed me yelling profanities at the top of my lungs and uh, <laughs> waving my hands around violently. Um, oh, brilliant. When the truth of the matter is there wasn't no other officers around. And I have a hard time imagining eight officers, male officers, watching a female officer have problems with um, a, a rowdy a festival goer like myself, supposedly. And then allow her to have to take that. Like I, I would have had uh, cuts and I would have been beat the fuck up. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. there ain't no way a bunch of male officers going to let me uh, threaten and intimidate a female officers of theirs. But the matter of it was, I, I, um, I kept stepping over her. She kept trying to trip me. Like as we would walk, she kept trying to place her feet. She must have thought I was drunk. I wasn't. And she would like step in places that would kind of cross cut my path. <laughs> on the third time her doing it like she was guiding me by the elbow and then she would guide me one way and then she would kind of try to walk past my path the other and then like stick her foot hard and i was like wow i would step over it and at the third time i was like are you are you trying to trip me is there could we talk to somebody else at that point um i'd actually been through anger management believe it or not <laughs> well, so and, you had some tools to deal with this situation yes and my anger management coach, who is a, a retired FBI agent, actually, um, he told me in any situation like that, put your arms over your head and start yelling with a loud voice uh, it's so that you grab attention. Because if you ever have police officers on you, so I did. I put my arms over my head. I exclaimed, my arms are over my head. I am complying fully. Please do not taser me because she had already pulled out her taser at that point. And then she she got scared because I'm yelling to people and I'm like, my hand, my arms are my my hands are up. I'm complying fully. My uh, I'm unarmed. And, and she just started going after me. But, you know, and then, yeah, as soon that, as you're not resisting when they seem to pounce. <laughs> it was it was different. You know, Oakland County. God bless Oakland <laughs> County, because um, because somebody's got to. <laughs> They, good place uh, to clear, have a business of all that stuff or did you have to um, i had to sign a cobs agreement and then go to more anger management but, okay so uh, or, or was it they gave me no i was i was uh no they was um a cobs agreement was guaranteeing that i didn't do jail time so i could have paid more money to have my lawyer fight it uh but it was while my son was being born and they were threatening me with, uh, I think it was three years in prison. Yeah. For assaulting a police officer. Cause they, dude, they didn't file a, a, a report. They let me drive away under my own recognizance while they said that I was drunk. Um, in, in later reports, they said I was drunk, but, uh, they said they let me drive away. They, they didn't file. There was no, warrant issued for my arrest nor was there an incident report for five days until five days after and the thing was five days after i'd already gotten a lawyer and i thought i was going to go after him and all the stupid shit that i was doing and so then to cover their ass they issued a warrant for assaulting a police officer which obviously you don't assault a police officer and go home and think about it for five days you know yeah you saw the police officer, they beat the fuck out of you and you go and sit in a jail. So yeah. when my lawyer brought that up to the judge, um, she was like, nothing's impossible, blah, blah, blah. And she went on with some stuff that was like, oh, man, she might put you in prison. And when you do prison for assaulting a police officer, you're going to be there for a long time.
it's not, you know, and my son was being born. So I was like, uh, they, they offered me the Cobbs agreement, which was no jail time. And I, I was just going to have to do whatever. It's like 3000 fucking dollars of stupid shit. when it all yeah. was said and done. Yeah. Oh, they'll pile up charges on you. You know what? You, you were uh, talking a couple of times about white privilege and whether or not um, mm-hmm. it's applicable uh, totally in this situation, man. Like if you, here's the thing with police and their charges they put on you they they max them out and um they specifically target like african-americans dude if if you were african-american in the same situation definitely would have done the max sentence they were threatening you with um but because you relate to those fucking white cops Mm -hmm. and white judges and you can speak to them on the same uh platform well a lot of this was due to my my lawyer as well, though. But yes, yeah. I, I don't, don't. I've seen it myself in court. Um, how white privileges work for me. I've seen it in getting out of speeding tickets. Yeah, and knowing I mean, that it doesn't go the same for others. Yeah, it's it's also really hard. Did you have a public defender? Did you hire a lawyer? I had a friend uh, that was a public defender. He's a very good lawyer, and so there, but he was like, "Is more is more privilege is that you have yeah. friends who are lawyers?" You know, That's like true. how how often does that happen? Uh, on well, the opposite yeah, I made him actually because <clears throat> he he went over my first case of selling marijuana and he got me free on that for free as a court appointed, and he really we just liked each other. He was a really cool guy, and he was like, "Kyle, you're fucking smart." And you're doing doing some of the dumbest shit. Like he was, he was really. He, I mean, he dealt with as a public defender before, right? But he's mm-hmm. like, I haven't met anybody with your level of intelligence, but your level of stupidity at the same time. You know? Like, yeah. Um, it's it's a backhanded compliment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he wasn't wrong though. Um, you're too smart to be this stupid. As many times as I get it, people tell you you're too smart for your own good. And to be honest, if you take that as uh, stupid is as stupid does, then that's just dumb. Yeah. So well, let me, let me um, tell you right now, outright, you're an intelligent person, a very intelligent person. Um, obviously, well, thank you. you've made mistakes in the past. And I don't think that you continue <laughs> to make the same mistakes. Like, I feel like you do grow from stuff. I that, try. I believe yeah. that's the marker of intelligence, actually. And uh, I'm beginning to find that it is also being able to forgive people for the mistakes they will invariably make as being a sign of uh, compassion, of course, too. But there's an intelligence that goes with that compassion yeah. um, that makes a better society because eventually, don't you want to just live in a better society? Yeah. I mean, doesn't everybody? Wouldn't you it like it? It ain't going to happen when you lock time. everybody up, right? It's going to happen when everybody's thinking right instead. And that doesn't yeah. happen by getting rid of parts of population. It happens by educating population. Yeah. And um, having a little bit of self-control, which doesn't come until you're much older, you know, like no wonder the country and, and the whole world was in turmoil back in the 18, 1700s and stuff. Like mm-hmm. you didn't live long enough to learn anything. <laughs> you were fucking <laughs> right? 35 when you died. Like if I died at 35 and that was the culmination of all the knowledge I've ever acquired. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you're pretty fucking bad off. I can see this. This does make a lot of sense. And that, yeah. I mean, that's just been the story throughout history, too, right? Like when we were Absolutely. even older the, times, the we were dying even quicker. 
all the top philosophers in history were way older than the median age that you died at. <laughs> okay. Is that why we keep electing old ass motherfuckers into office though? And is that probably, that like that's still kind of a problem. Yeah. Probably a, a deep rooted instinct that we have to trust old people. Um, been around longer or they're yeah. just better at ripping you off. Yeah. But there's a, there's a, a, a deadline. I think you hit when you're old before you start mishmashing all your sentences together and you can't speak correctly and you, and you make mistakes constantly and all you have is a, a group of younger people to like kind of halfway guide you along your uh, right your, before your, that you're a genius <laughs> yeah <laughs> right on you got to get those you those those moments are precious yeah listen to grandpa now he won't be here forever and this is the only time he's ever made fucking sense yeah. And then when you go to sit down and talk to grandpa before he dies and he's pooping himself and saying the <laughs> fucking N word constantly, you're like, oh, Jesus, I don't think you're in your right state right now. Yeah. Maybe I shouldn't fucking write a declaration of independence based off of what you think <laughs> dying right now. The deadlights are coming, but let me tell you the real problem. It's Walt Disney and his animated head. Yeah. Back. yeah. There it is. That's the thing you should focus on. Well, brother, I think we've solved all the problems. I I hope we have touched. I feel like we've, but you and I, we did that today. The society will be forever in our debt. Yeah. Well, I, I, <laughs> I should hope so. <laughs> that would be but, uh, a crowning achievement in my life. But with that, man, it's a lot of, uh, it's, it's a lot of work to solve the world's problems. And uh, I think I should probably let you get back to your rest so that you can get back at it again tomorrow. Yeah, back right at it, man. I'm going straight back into work tomorrow. And solving what's the what's the problem on the board tomorrow? I got a double, man. I don't know what I'm doing yet, so I'm gonna have to draw for that as soon as we hop off here. It was great talking to you, man. I wanted to tell you I've been um, kind of savoring this uh, note of your sign off. Do you know where that comes from? And it's not Jay. No, uh, I can't wait to hear though. I so, hated that I had to attribute it to the kid. <laughs> there's a song. There's a song by an Australian writer, uh-huh. and uh, it's called "I've Stayed Too Long and I've Said Too Much," and it's very hooky. It's really good. Really? Um, yeah, it's out there, bro. I'm gonna have to look <laughs> for it now. Maybe, maybe we can get some rights for it, and I can actually have a jingle for this. Yeah, obviously, as soon as I heard uh, Jay say that he came up with it, I had to Google it, and um, I found it. You're like, fuck that. Jay's great for... um... sounds a little less New York, a little more something else. (laughs) That's so awesome to find that out. Fact fact checkers, bro. Facts. My new hated word, most hated word. What is a good sign? It is a good sign off. It is, but I have successfully done that, I believe. Or I don't know. Actually, at this point, I'm really thinking uh, we've just solved all the problems. Like it's done. Now we even know who to attribute this fucking quote to. It's like we're batting a thousand, man. I love solving problems. I I love solving problems with my friends. It's like doing puzzles. Um, (laughs) Sorry, if I know that this wasn't a a puzzle, (laughs) but if it was, you didn't try doing it. If the piece doesn't fit, probably Google it. <laughs> I do. After I get done, I glue it all together and put it in a frame <laughs> on my wall. Ah, <laughs> oh, man, I love you, man. Love you as well. We'll talk again good. soon. Uh, let's do this again, though, please.
Yeah, absolutely. Anytime. And um, another thing, mm-hmm. uh, this is a side note before we hang up because uh, you, you know what? It's out. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I listen to your podcast like constantly for about two or three days. And what I feel like I would love mm-hmm. at the end of your podcast is if after I hang up, your guest hangs up, um, you say, okay, cool. Now next week, we're going to be talking to so-and-so about such and such. And then okay. like, we have a little, a little sign bit off. Of, yeah. A little bit of something that makes me want to fucking uh, tune into your next one or find it, you know, because well, I was listening to what a genius you are. And thanks for the collaboration with that. Uh, then I will do that because, uh, but I'm just going to keep you on for it in this case, uh, as you help me because he's our shared and mutual friend, James Vaughn's coming on next. James. Oh my God. I love that guy. James. <laughs> I love it. Yes. Yes. The guy who's, um, I don't know. He made traveling seem fun, right? What, what yeah. else do you do? Yeah, uh, you should probably get some subtitles for his uh, podcast. Though. <laughs> oh yeah. You don't think people are going to be able to understand him? Nah, I thought when he was on our season, I thought we were going to have a bouncing ball follow his subtitles like on the bottom of the screen. Well, if you do miss it, then, yeah, you would definitely want because the shit he's shooting is gold. He's great, dude. The guy's fucking uh, he's been in the industry for over 20 years, man. There's like a wealth of knowledge in that guy, not to mention his glittering personality. <laughs> he's fucking awesome. <laughs> his glittering personality. That's how we're going to describe it. And I'll let him pick up from there. Yeah, well, tell him I love you, Bubba. Work it, girl. <laughs> yeah, I will. I will. Well, I thank your mama. Yeah. And uh, and what's the other one? Sign you off. You got a little Sign- peanut hanging out. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what about, uh, was it uh, cream pies and anal beads? Yeah, baby. Not that you ain't heard that before, too. All right. Love you, brother. Love you, too, man. Have a good night. Bye-bye.